Hi, listeners. This is Jay of the Dead. We just want to make sure that you stick around after this three-plus-hour episode because at the end of everything, we're going to go through a huge amount of prize giveaways, contest giveaways, and even if you don't think that you won anything, you may have. You may be surprised. So just listen all the way through to the end. Thanks. This is Greg Amortis from Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast, and you're listening to the Horror Movie Podcast, where they are dead serious about horror. <laughs> hey, fellas over there at the Horror Movie Podcast. I hear you're going to be podcasting about them slasher films, but you need to heed my warning. There's a legend around here, a genre buried, but not dead. It's a curse on cinematic releases, a death curse, a 1980s slasher curse. They say it died in the 90s, but it keeps coming back. Few have watched them and spoke. Some have even tried to stop them. No one can. Can't wait to hear the show, guys. Heed my warning. Later. Thanksgiving from Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 104. It is the fourth and final installment of our coverage of the 1980s slasher film movement. And in this episode, we're specifically going to be looking at 1986 through 1989. And on Horror Movie Podcast, for those who don't know... We typically bring you in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman, Josh, and hey guy, your fly is open and your host's Twinkie's hanging out. <laughs> gobble, gobble. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to be here back with you guys. We are recording this on Thanksgiving Eve. And you know what? I have never had the opportunity to spend Thanksgiving Eve with our special guest. He is the original Creepshire of the Night, the Southern Gentleman, the one who helps keep horror alive, and perhaps the world's biggest fan of Michael Knight from Knight Rider. Just kidding. No, we welcome back <laughs> Greg Amortis from Land of the Creeps. All right. First of all, you, you're calling me Bob Ross and Michael Jordan podcast, and now Michael Knight. What's up, world? What's up, Jay Wolfman? Ow, 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 Josh, and of course, Doc, man. Thank you for having me back on, brother. Awesome to have you. Welcome back. Absolutely. And Greg Amortis, we wanted to give a shout out, well, to a couple things. First of all, let's make sure. The listeners are aware of your podcast. You have your very own horror podcast, which is one of the greatest ever made. Will you tell them where they can find that in case this is their first time tuning in? 
Uh, it is landofthecreeps.blogspot.com. And uh, yeah, just Dr. Shock over here is over there regular and, and all that good stuff. We just review horror movies like you guys, just a little bit more uh, vulgar, <laughs> 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 shall I say. But yeah, we just have a great time. But yeah, Land of the Creeps, we just uh, recorded episode 150, just released, and we're recording 151 this week. So super excited, super, super excited, Jay. and. Once again, thank you so much for having us on, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And gobble, gobble. <laughs> and Greg and I, we also wanted to plug our, our friend Mark Nato's uh, show. It's thehorrorcast.com, and they just did an incredible episode. I haven't actually gotten to listen to it because I believe it just dropped today, right, Greg and Mortis? Yes, sir. Tell them what it is. They have did an episode and it's called the Academy Awards. I love it. Instead of Academy, put an H in it, Academy Awards. And I had the honor and privilege of uh, introducing nominees for Best Makeup in Movies for 2016 and, of course, announced the winner there. And there was multiple, multiple, multiple podcasters and whatnot that's involved in this. So uh, Martin Nato, Larry Walsh, oh, Walsh, and I want to say congratulations, uh, Larry Walsh, uh, his wife just had a baby last week, I believe it was. So they, uh, their first child. So congratulations there, Walshy. And then they got the Revenant over there and also the horror gal. So yeah, doing a great job. Honored to be on there. I want to make one more plug too, real quick, Jay, if you don't mind. Do it. The Retro Movie Geek, uh, dot com, Retro Movie Geek dot com, their podcast over there. Also, uh, myself and Dr. Dirty from Land of the Creeps did a mini review. They uh, just dropped episode 43 today as well. And I had the honor and privilege of Dr. Dirty to do a little mini review of Psycho 2. They were doing a full review of it and asked if I would say a little thing. So Dr. Dirty and I went into kind of <laughs> our take on Psycho 2. So you can listen to that as well. Oh, I love nice. it. Nice. Um, we're big fans of Joel Robertson over here, aren't we, Dr. Shock and Josh? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. But not Peter. Or <laughs> <laughs> of all guys, come on, Peter That's Nielsen's right. awesome. Oh, we That's love, we love oh, yeah. Peter's great. Yeah, They're Peter awesome. sends us the best recordings. They're actually <laughs> creepy when you listen to them. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, great guys. All right. Well, we'll have all that stuff linked in the show notes so people can check it out. But without further delay, let's jump into this. We've got so much to cover. So (laughs) the first thing we wanted to talk about, Wolfman Josh, you said we did get some uh, feedback on the uh, Terminator as an 80s slasher. Um, (laughs) What do you have on that, Josh? Well, the response to Jay's (laughs) inclusion (laughs) of Terminator in our slasher coverage has elicited some of the strongest responses we've ever had um, <laughs> on the podcast. That's why I do what so I well, do. Well done. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, from what I saw, it, most of it looked pretty positive and supportive. I mean, some people were saying, yeah, yeah, no brainer, of course. You know, some people said that. Yeah, well, uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's, it's been 50 Fuck everybody. Right. <laughs> oh, it's it's the response has been about 50-50. Okay. There have been um, some very upset people who just based on seeing the artwork on Twitter or Instagram <laughs> have disavowed us as a podcast and said we have no idea what we're even talking about. Haven't even listened to the episode. <laughs> um, written us off just because we included it um, in our 80 slasher coverage. The, so that's, the wheat. That, that's happening. <laughs> 
The wheat and the tares. Wolfman Josh. <laughs> the wheat and the tares. <laughs> but yes, you have had uh, some very vocal support as well. I think there have been people who um, were kind of in the camp I was who just said, I, I love the idea that Jay included this because he made some solid comparisons. Um, but then there have been other people who just flat out are defending what you said and said, I thought everybody knew the Terminator was the slasher. Mm. And uh, two of our listeners who were kind of most in that vein are Ian West, who's a good friend of the show, and Red Cap Jack. Both of them are adamant that Terminator is a slasher. And so I'm going to read a couple of their comments here, if that's okay with you guys. Okay, Ian West says, The Terminator is a slasher thing has been around as long as the movie itself. James Cameron himself has specifically pointed out Halloween is an influence. Even his conceptual art for the first Terminator is pretty telling. Look it up. It's the skinless Terminator with a butcher's knife. That made me sad because I thought I made all that up and I was going to write a, <laughs> a, a paper on it, but uh, apparently it's been around, so <laughs> dang it. There's an AV Club article, a uh, video actually, that says 24 reasons Terminator and Halloween are the same flick. <laughs> so so uh, Ian left us a link for that, and we can put that in the show notes for this episode or, or, or last um, Ian says, you can find James Cameron interviews all over YouTube where he literally says, I wanted to make a sci-fi slasher and that Terminator is basically a slasher. Those were, sorry, were in quotes. I was almost in shock when I heard everyone disagree with Jay. I've been hearing people call it a slasher for years. I don't always agree with Jay, but when I do, I got his back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, Thank that's you. good. But we had a lot of people right in that say, yeah, I, uh, I never thought of this before, but now that you mention it, yeah, I can kind of see it. And that's the book David was in. He said, yeah, I'm mostly with Jay on this. I don't think consider the, ter- I don't consider the Terminator as 100% slasher, mainly due to the tone, but it definitely shares a lot of DNA with the subgenre. It's a much better made movie with a much more intelligent, interesting premise than the standard slasher fare, but it has a kill count and a ruthless, indefatigable stalking killer. Wow. David, blow me away with that vocabulary. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I understand the guns argument, which is the, on the surface feels like nitpicking, but definitely goes a long way to altering the overall tone from the horrific intimacy of a slasher film to a more detached level of menace. But it's still clearly very closely modeled on the formula, and I'm not sure why everyone on the episode was so dismissive of the connection. I genuinely do believe that it has a lot to do with the film's renown as a sci-fi classic, the tendency of critics to refuse to admit appreciation for something as lowly as a slasher. Great artfully made B movies are almost, almost always victims of critical revisionism, recasting them as sci-fi thrillers or suspense thrillers. So hmm. that's a great example. He goes on and, and has some more great points. These comments that I've read so far are actually in the comments section at horrormoviepodcast.com. So if you're not joining the community discussion, as you can see, you're missing out on some great comments absolutely and over there i'd say jay's uh, uh the defense of jay was was uh, almost overwhelming i mean i didn't see anybody who was really arguing against it yeah and in fact most of the people who defended jay also happened to mention which red cap jack does here and, and <laughs> dread is here honestly i was more surprised to hear body double discuss this slasher film so <laughs> I, I definitely got some uh i got some people on my back after that so 
I don't care. I'm I, talking about De Palma. <laughs> and I, now I need these people to come over and help me out with my wife. If you can help defend me there, that'd be great. Uh, we, we really appreciate everybody who engages. Even if you are vehement objectors and you completely disagree, we love it. That's what makes it fun. So Redcap Jack says, listening and enjoying the podcast as usual. And then we get to the Terminator review and I am left absolutely gobsmacked. <laughs> sincerely, <laughs> sincerely and seriously, what surprises me is not that Jay would present this film as an entry to the slasher genre, but rather that there would be such extreme pushback on its inclusion. Never mind that this is a science fiction film first, and that much is obvious and undebatable. But how do the hosts of a horror movie podcast not see the slasher film tropes in this film? I'm absolutely shocked that anyone would even give it the smallest amount of pushback it has always been very obviously a slasher film. When I get together with some of my cinephile friends, and we discuss the Terminator. We always list it as a slasher film. How is this even controversial? <laughs> I want to hang out with his friends. I want to hang out with Red yeah, Cap right. Jack and his friends. That sounds right. really fun. If they're on that level where they're talking about films and classifying them, they sound like they have a good time. Just saying. Although it's interesting, though, because like a bunch Jay, of was, to me. Jay was Jay was the yeah Jay was the first one to call it controversial. If memory serves, that's true. Just because I knew everybody gripe about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg Mortis is still he's standing strong. He's like, "Yep, I you're will, damn right." <laughs> I will stand strong. I love Ian West. That is my boy. That's my brother from another mother, and uh I respect him. And I don't know Red Cap. I don't think right offhand, but he sounds like a great dude. Don't get me wrong. But I will never, ever, 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 ever say the Terminator's comparison to Michael Myers or anything. Never. <laughs> Man, we. We have had so much discussion about slashers in general. Uh, mm. This has been really interesting. We've we've sucked in a lot of new listeners through this uh, 80s slasher recording, but also particularly this Terminator talk. Man, people are upset. It brings people out of the woodwork. This is what I love about slasher fans and horror fans. Yes. They want to argue and debate. I mean, we got we get uh -huh. tweets from people who don't follow us on Twitter, who I've never had any interaction with, just yelling at us. How is Terminator a slasher? Question mark, explanation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Were you like, listen to the episode, dum-dum? Absolutely. I very, very kindly I'm kept redirecting these people. Listen, this this really happened. I said, listen to this. This is interesting. I talked to this guy and I said, that's a major point of contention and debate on the show. Listen and tell us what you think. He wouldn't do it. He kept arguing. And then some of our listeners started chiming in. And then finally, guess what? A couple, like a day or two later, he writes... I enjoyed the podcast and I am now a subscriber. <laughs> oh, why? Well, I, I still stand by that it's too far of a stretch. Yeah. Well, I would so like thank to you, thank you, Brian McNail, for letting me hook you in. This is all a trap. You know, you realize that. Yeah. Yeah. You just, <laughs> sorry, Brian. I redact what I said about dum dum. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah, this he was actually listening now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to redact it. Yeah, sorry, but man, we got we got so many awesome comments um, on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. A lot of people saying they checked out uh, the Mutilator for the first time thanks to the podcast. Nice. A lot of people saying they checked out Curtains for the first time thanks to the podcast. <laughs> yes, um, that's what this is all about. Yeah, man. yeah. 
Sorry. And I believe it was Hugh Lloyd, who is the uh, podcaster over at the Undead Wookiee podcast and mm-hmm. a longtime listener to the show. He said, all I've done when listening to horror movie podcasts is say, I got to watch that one or rewatch that one. Such a good show. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Cool. So yeah, we we've we've had a lot of awesome people comment. I wish I could read all of them on here, but get involved in the community, folks. Uh, get on Twitter, get on Instagram, get on the horrormoviepodcast.com. There's so much awesome conversation going on, and such an awesome community. I, I just feel like we're really lucky to have such cool people and smart people, and very few trolls except for Tony Smith. Tony, you know I'm talking to you. And Red Capjack. Just <laughs> no. Yeah. Few trolls. Uh, people, everyone, including Tony and Red Cap, are very intelligent guys who support their p- opinions. Um, you know, so it's cool. And and in case the list, I feel very self conscious right now. In case the listeners don't know me, I'm a big, I'm I'm a playful teaser guy, right? And I call my kids dumb dumb. So if I call anybody a dumb dumb, <laughs> I, I just want to say again. But um, Red Cap. Speaking of Red Cap, you also have to realize that Jay is usually considered wrong by the listenership so it's really nice for him to get this. <laughs> it's, it's nice but i think he i think he's it's it's he's not he wasn't prepared for it let's no. go into his head he was ready for any support on, on this thing it's 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 a very unusual position for him to be in. yeah i'm used to standing he's gonna, he's gonna alone. have to come up with an even he's gonna have to come up with an even more quote unquote controversial pick that's what i was getting ready to think doc is what's the next one coming out with <laughs> I do have an interesting controversial Uh-oh. discussion for tonight, but um, but real quick, speaking of Red Cap Jack, didn't he he had some thoughts about a Nightmare on Elm Street too, right, Josh? Oh, maybe so. Not I, not part two, not the sequel, but I'm just saying as well. We got a lot of comments like that, including from Tony, who said, "Hey, if uh, Terminator is your favorite slasher from 1984, I hope." The Predator is your favorite slasher from 1987. And there were a lot of people that agreed with him on that as well. So that, uh, That's funny. See, I'm actually going to address that a little later, but with a surprising spin. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. Yes. Don't worry. The, anticipation, the anticipation's <laughs> just building right now. Don't worry, Greg Mortis. You'll be happy. So. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> I love it. That remains to be seen. Yeah, and I love Tony Smith, by the way. If I wouldn't say Tony Smith online, he'd probably kill me. So what's up, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for the record, because there has been some discussion of A Nightmare on Elm Street and its classification as a slasher, and I just want to make clear, crystal clear, that um, as far as Jay of the Dead is concerned, it's always I've always considered it a slasher myself. But Greg Amortis, do you consider A Nightmare on Elm Street a slasher film? Um, yes and no. I would definitely. It's one of them fine lines. I mean that that fantasy world kind of deal but yes i do consider him a slasher because it is a body count he does use weapons you know it is that trope but um at the same time i think it's a little more fantasy and whatnot but listen to what all your conversations have been going was bringing up a point in my head and kind of something that even with the whole terminator talk and i know we're off that subject but I think a lot of times we are inbreded with this whole, um, we're brought up to believe certain things, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Right. So I think sometimes we're inbreded with, this is a science fiction movie and 
it's in our head. Okay. It's science fiction. It cannot be anything else. Mm -hmm. And then you don't really think why is it science fiction? Cause the critics called it science fiction or is it this? Because you know what I mean? So I think sometimes in, you know, we get false impressions of movies just because we're told that this is a sci-fi film or we're told this is a monster film or we're told it's this. And then we just automatically say, well, Siskel and Ebert said it's a science fiction film, so it must be a science fiction film because they right. said it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think right. we have our own our own minds coming into things. So like we're, we'll be doing something here in a little bit later on with something about a I don't know if we should say it right yet, but you know some movies that we're going to be naming off. I my list will be a lot different than a lot of other people's list because I have different views about my movies i don't want to give away too much because i don't know if you want to at the beginning say what we're going to do toward the end but anyways <laughs> saying that i like to have a mind of my own i don't really want to depend on because somebody says that the terminator science fiction that it can't be slasher i will honestly say jay once again and i said it on the last episode i had to eat my crow a little bit i never imagined terminator as a slasher film because it had already been set that it's science fiction but you did bring up, I will say, Red Cap, Ian, all you guys, it did bring up some good points that I had never looked at. So, yeah, okay. yeah that, that's why Absolutely. I think horror and slashers are such a great subgenre is because slashers bring up so much debate anyways. So, I mean, I love it, man. I love the discussions, Jay. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's my little soapbox. So to get back to your question, I would give you a 90% answer that, yes, Elm Street is a slasher flick, 90%. The other 10% is, I think it's more fantasy than slasher. <laughs> well, you so were, uh, I, wow, he brought up so many interesting points there. Do you have something pertaining to what he said? Because if you do, Josh, I'll step aside while you go. I uh, know I'm ready to chime in with my own thoughts, so go ahead and address okay. what Greg was talking about. Well, number one, Greg, if you remember, our, our friend Bill Shetty has said mm -hmm. as far as like um, horror subgenre classification or any genre classification, Bill Shetty attributed that at one time to the uh, video store distribution lists when the production companies, mm -hmm. like the films, they would send out the films to video stores back in the day when those existed, <laughs> the brick and mortar, mm -hmm. and they would need to know which shelf to put them on. And so they would just... Um, you know, the people who were sending them out would pick whatever genre it was most. And then, yeah, and then I think drama. that's, yeah, action, drama, sci-fi, horror. And I think that that's maybe how a lot of that, that ironclad yeah. classification came along. So I think Bill Shetty had a really good point there. That's fascinating. I mean, I worked at a video store for many years, so I wonder if that plays into uh -huh. my prejudices actually in it some could. of these situations. <laughs> so yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting so. point. I mean, for me, I, to be completely honest and lose a lot of credibility, I just was never that big a fan of either the Nightmare on Elm Street or Terminator franchises. And so uh, not being a big sci-fi guy and not having ever really gotten into Freddy, these were kind of foreign ideas to me because I can, did consider myself a major slasher fan, but I was definitely into Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and even more into kind of the giallo whodunit approach to slashers. And so mm -hmm. um, those seemed really foreign as examples of slashers to me, but I really enjoy the discussion. And so um, I, for me, it's just all about, we're just talking here. It's, it's all oh, about yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure. And, and Greg Amortis brought up another thing that I thought was really fascinating because, uh, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard this underlying in your comments, but I almost get from you a suggestion that, um, for you at least, that the, the slasher subgenre has to be, that doesn't have to, but typically it seems like it would be set in reality or some sort of reality. So you could almost rename it a a serial killer genre. Like it's almost like a killer that could exist in the real world. Because what I'm hearing you say is when it, when it drifts into fantasy or other things that are less in set in the real world, then, then you mm-hmm. feel like it drifts away from what a slasher is. Is that true? I, to a degree, a large degree. Yes, I will say that. So that's kind of where Wolfman, where you're saying the, the Jalo kind of subgenre. that to me along with your Michael Myers and stuff before they started getting real spacey. I mean, yeah, that to me, slash, when you start getting into fantasy, I think you start getting into a whole, not a whole different, but you are getting into a different realm of movies. And slashers to me are just a straight up, like I've said, it's, it's, it's a killer that has a body count, uses weapons. You got the heron at the end. So, you know, that, that to me is a description of slasher. So when you start getting into the supernatural elements, although Michael sort of supernatural, Jason Voorhees, definitely supernatural, you know, when you start getting into those elements, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a borderline there. There's a wall kind of being broke down, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. I kind of contradict myself by saying that because of the fact Jason, you know, did get supernatural and Michael, obviously you couldn't kill him mm. no matter what. Um, so I, it, it's such a fine line, Jay, but yeah, I do try to tend to keep slashers as reality. Well, I have yeah. a defense for what you said actually, because I, I think, and this is really getting kind of crazy. This is almost like slasher theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet you, and this is just a, a theory of mine, but I, I bet you that in the reason that that ended up becoming part of the slasher where like Michael Myers, you couldn't kill him. Jason Voorhees, you couldn't kill him. You just couldn't keep him down. I think maybe from a victim perspective, if they wanted to give the audience the victim perspective, Mm -hmm. if you were in that situation in real life and a killer was after you, and especially if you were not capable, like your typical final girl or whatever, but if you were basically dead meat, then they would seem unstoppable. They would seem like this this force that was just going to wipe you out. And so I think it's interesting that the filmmaking went that direction where they became somewhat supernatural-esque. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that was to give the audience that maybe that sense of the real-life doom that an actual victim would feel in the grasp of a serial killer. That's interesting. I mean, I like it. You, uh-huh. if you don't really yep. look, I mean, if you look at the slashers as a whole, and, you, and we've looked uh, from 80 all the way up to 86 starting tonight, and you look at the progression of the way the slasher movement went from early 80 up to the 86, by the time you get into 86 and you start looking at the list, a lot of it has gone fantasy. A lot of it has gone away from uh, straight up, just a real person coming out killing you, getting into a lot of different elements. And I think that was because not only did it kind of play itself out, 
I mean, it had been done over and over and over. So mm-hmm. writers are having to kind of come up with a little different scenario to kind of one up the year before them or whatever. So yes. I think that kind of made that movement get a little further fantasy. And I think that's why Elm Street came along and Freddy. And then you start getting into movies such as Shocker and you start getting into stuff like that. Uh, it kind of changed, but that's because I think 300 movies earlier had been done, so they had to come up with something different. <laughs> uh, so why not make them be a space guy, or why not make them be this or that? <laughs> wow, you can tell, guys, that uh, Greg Amortis is a true professional at this. It, it, I mean, a true professional at what we do, because you just beautifully trans uh, transitioned right into uh, our listener, Chris, his, his question for this topic discussion, because he actually asked us to discuss the evolution of the slasher subgenre through the 80s <laughs> decade, and what you led into is perfect. That was really cool. Oh. I'm, I'm super oh, impressed. Yeah, you're welcome. Here, I'm popping my collar. Pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. But no, in all seriousness, I, I, um, I agree with what you said. It was the maybe kind of change up some of the, some of the tropes that was getting... I mean, we don't feel that it was getting right. a little stale, of course, but I think they were trying to switch it up. Now, now setting aside, though, because I've thought about this question, Chris's question, quite a bit. Setting aside the fact that the slasher subgenre in the 80s veers and shifts into comedy, and it gets more heavy into comedy as the decade progressed, and it kind of parody, parodied itself um, but the serious slashers, if we just stick to talking about the ones that were pretty serious business, I would argue that they didn't actually have much of an evolution at all. And I think that number one, it's uh, such a special, because of that, because we have so like 10 years of serious and non-serious, but let's just say non-comedy right now, if we have 10 years of that, that makes it a really special little, um, just this, out of the 100 years of cinema history, it's interesting Mm -hmm. to have this little segment of films that are just the same trope played out over and over. And, And I do agree with you, Greg, that I think that's eventually why, you know, people got tired or it got old of it and it fell out of favor. And I think that's why, We've slipped into the 90s, and I think that's what's led to the the really heavily heavily comedy influenced slashers and stuff like that. Totally agree. Plus, you got to look at television too. I think television had really took a turn in the late 80s, getting a little bit more comedic with stuff. So they had to kind of favor toward that as well. So I think a lot. I mean, just I just think culture. Uh, television, a lot of different things played uh, a part in it. Dr. Chuck, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I, you did see a little bit of um, comedy speaking in sometimes in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it did, there was a little bit of an evolution there too. Like if you look at just the Friday the 13th movies, you know, how the, the creative ways they would bring Jason back. And how people would look at him as a zombie in the later films just because of, you know, he had been buried. He had been dead. He had been underground. And and uh, and he's back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So and it was a little bit a little bit of a little bit of a of an evolution uh, there. But I might have been more just necessity because people wanted Jason. Yeah. You know, and they found that out pretty quick that people wanted Jason back and they wanted him doing what he did best. And 
they just had to come up with more creative ways to, to make that happen. Well, and our, our fourth co-host, Kyle Bishop, Dr. Walking Dead, he has said um, several times on this show in the past that um, the 80s were a, a pretty good time. At least in the United States, they were a pretty positive and upbeat time. It was, um, a, you know, a time of prospering. I mean, we, we still had some Cold War fears and so forth, but horror went from the darkness of, like, the Vietnam-influenced era of all the awful graphic stuff, and then it did get lighter. And he said horror does get lighter like that when things are happier. But Wolfman Josh, I know some of the listeners weighed in on this as well. What do, what do they say? Well, the listener comments um, talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Let me just give you a taste of Red Cap Jack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of why, why I was jokingly calling uh, him and Tony Troll earlier, because they state their... <laughs> comments very emphatically so here's red cap jack a nightmare on elm street is a slasher film supernatural elements or not it's a stock kill hunt victims down mentally mentality and that's really all that counts for determining if a film is a slasher and uh red cap and i got into a little bit i said oh is that also says red cap jack so let it be written <laughs> and he says so let it be done <laughs> i love it i love it uh we, we were getting after each other a little bit um but Kagan took it up a notch here, and as well as uh, another listener, Andred, who is new to the comment section at least. Andred's awesome. I've been liking. Yeah. I've been enjoying. Andred's yeah, a lot comments. of a lot of great, great comments. Mm-hmm. So Kagan says, um, "It's like we're a bunch of nerdy biologists trying to classify different species and getting really nitty gritty into the details." It reminds me of one of the videos I recently worked on that argues whether. The red panda is a member of the bear or raccoon family. It took a lot of arguing scientists over 100 years to make up their minds. Somehow we managed to carry the original classification debate of it, is it horror, over to the slasher genre, asking the question, is it a slasher? And not only that, now we've gone down even further in the analysis. And so he gives us a taxonomic rank of A Nightmare on Elm Street. And Kagan says, kingdom, movie, phylum, horror, class, slasher, order, 80s family no tits genius supernatural species surreal nightmare i love um, it kagan yes. i mean yeah. we we dissect what we love i mean i have yes. um i had three kids but i dissected the third one so <laughs> and uh <laughs> Uh, Kagan goes on, A Nightmare on Elm Street is definitely a slasher, but it's part of a supernatural subgenre slasher, and it's even unique within that subgenre. It's certainly much different than something like Child's Play or the later Friday the 13th films, which also have supernatural elements. And Anne Dredd came in and said, I love the idea of horror taxonomy. And then she, or he, I'm not sure which it is, takes it even further and says, in any case, here's another possible taxonomy for A Nightmare on Elm Street. Kingdom fiction phylum suspense film that says an umbrella classification that encompasses any films reliant on suspense related emotions including action thrillers and horror class horror order grand guignol focused on intense violence rather than gothic or psychological tone family slasher genius surreal skewing a strictly realistic tone could mean supernatural but not explicitly for example halloween could be included (laughs) species campy slash serious hybrid akin to films like child's play which is which has comedic or tongue-in-cheek elements versus candy man which is played fairly straight 
So, um, wow. really intelligent listeners. <laughs> yeah, that yes. the, the Kagan and Andred, they were uh, over Breaking my head. It down. Yes, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, I, <laughs> so, and uh, it will never. It will, it's like Kagan said of his red panda discussion. Uh, this may be something that is never resolved. <laughs> this could go on hundreds of years, and we could still be discussing. Well, and honestly, it's it's fun, really. But but Josh, so my question for you, Wolfman, I'd like for you to weigh in. I know that you've been. Thank you for managing our, our comments there. But as far as like the evolution of the slasher subgenre through the '80s decade, uh, what what do you notice? Oh, geez. Um, well, I think the biggest noticeable change for me is with the franchise films obviously i think as we've talked about a lot and as you've just recently laid out that the other format hasn't changed too much but what happened for me that i really enjoyed about those early slashers is the whodunit aspect and i was talking to my wife about this tonight because i was talking to her about stage fright and why i'm going to be covering that a little bit later on even though a lot of people would say that's giallo and I realize I'm really drawn to these films, and I think it's because the later films of these franchises lose what is essentially my favorite aspect of the slasher, what really drew me into the slasher initially, which is the whodunit aspect. And so to lose that mystery, for me, kills a lot of the tension. And so um, even though I, you know, you know, I name many of the franchise films among my all-time favorite slashers, oftentimes I go back to those originals and say, aren't these great? Like, isn't the original Halloween so much better in my eyes than uh, most of the sequels or all of the sequels that came after it? And it's because I think it had not only all of the great things that John Carpenter, you know, brought to the table in terms of filmmaking, but it had a sense of mystery that was um, kind of this X factor, unquantifiable element that doesn't exist as we start to try to explain why Michael's going after his cousins and things like that. It just yeah. loses its, it's midichlorians, you know, <laughs> if we're in the star Wars universe, I'm not interested in that version of, <laughs> of Michael Myers. So, um, as you know, the franchise films go on as, you know, our characters become supernatural. I think we see a lot of, um, evolution in terms of, you know, Jason Voorhees, by the time we get to Jason X, although that's on the 80s, but let's say even uh, part six, which is one of my favorite films, or um, part seven, which I think is a great film. It's a million light years away from the original Friday the 13th film, which is a film grounded in personal tragedy. Uh, they're still both great. There's a big evolution there. We yeah. talked about how Halloween was born out of like, you know, kind of the proto slashers. It became what it was and it was great. But then for Friday the 13th, we've discussed how Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham are basically trying to reverse engineer whatever it was that worked so well in Halloween. And yeah. the formula was born with that 1980 film, Friday the 13th. And so if you're looking, I mean, for me at least, if you're looking at it as like, the first intentional or conscious conscious usage of the formula that we all know and recognize as a slasher film, then Friday the 13th is the first implementation of the formula as I see it, according to what we've heard. I mean, that's what you've heard too, right, Josh, that Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham, they were trying to put it together yeah. into a, a form. 
I mean, there you know there were other ar- arguable first slashers from Black Christmas on, but of course, yeah, I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. Yeah, and, and for me, and and this will be this is kind of a, a a spoiler for my um my feelings later when we do our top list, but like for me, it has Friday the Thirteenth, the original film, has the very best killer motive that I've seen ever in a slasher to this day. I mean, that that killer motive makes perfect sense to me, at least where I am in my life. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be trying to add Greg back in now that I was... <laughs> I'm just... Disrespecting. I, was, I wasn't. I wasn't at all, but, you no, know. I know. I know. I don't, uh-huh. I don't see it as that. I think you're absolutely right, I think. Um, and I've kind of tried to express this in, in weird... Uh, metaphorical ways on previous shows but the idea that once you have two or three now you have a genre you don't you don't have a genre when there's just one necessarily and john carpenter's trying to make the best movie he can he's not trying to make a slasher uh you know those guys were trying to make a slasher yeah absolutely okay well um we we've spent a good amount of time on our theme discussion of slashers and uh, you know I was thinking earlier today I don't know why I think things like this but I thought wow if we took just the theme concept discussion of those four episodes and put it into one episode I think we'd have like over two hours worth of just dissecting and discussing the subgenre itself and its tropes and conventions and that's pretty interesting to me Um, I hope people have enjoyed that along the way that's how we try to roll here on Horror Movie Podcast. So we're still going to be uh, bringing in Greg Amortis once again. I think maybe he's updating Skype or restarting or something. We've had all kind of shenanigans from Skype tonight. But never fear, we're going to keep pressing forward. And we're going to start it off with 1986. And once again, um, I would love to meet this Captain Cracker guy, or at least get in touch with Captain Cracker, because I was... Uh, using his website again for help and i'm going to be citing it tonight i did actually contact him after the last episode to see if we could get him on the show or or get in touch with him he doesn't have contact info on his website but i tracked down a list of 80 slashers he had on imdb found his imdb name and started leaving him comments in the comments on imdb trying to get in touch with him (laughs) thank you for doing that (laughs) but no word yet as of right now no Okay. Well, if anybody out there knows Captain Cracker, I I think this guy's pretty awesome. And I assume it's a guy, maybe not. Do you know his real name from the IMDb? Uh, No, only Captain Cracker on his blog and on IMDb. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, anyway, he writes on his 1986 page, the comedy of 1986. After 1985, a year... filled mostly with unsuccessful slashers there was probably little hope for the crop to come out in 1986 but surprisingly nearly all the releases of 86 stepped up their game not by adding more gore or fear than the previous years but by adding more comedy that's right 1986 probably has the biggest bunch of intentionally funny slashers and oddly enough most of them were suitable enough to launch a success post golden age of slasher films era so that that's kind of interesting now um i think we got our good friend greg mortis back welcome back sir welcome (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you're here anyways i have to technology yeah i know right it's a good time so so greg we've moved into 1986 now 
Okay. And I, I just, I, I guess I should just, you know, not be a jerk of a host and say, did you have anything else that you wanted to say though, before we press forward on the, uh, the transition of the slasher genre through the eighties? Anything else? No, sir. I just say bring back more eighties. <laughs> okay. Me too. I love it. All right. So let's move down through these then and, uh, we'll see what we've got here. Um, we're going to do as we've done in the previous weeks and so, uh, Greg Amortis, what do you have for 1986? I think we'll go with a little bitty flick uh, from 1986, directed by Fred Walton and produced by Frank Mancuso Jr., and that is a flick called April Fool's Day. <laughs> Guess yes. what's going to be or who's going to be the life of the party. Um Cool little slasher flick. Not the best in the world, but, man, I always had fun with this movie, even yeah. though the ending is a total cop-out to me. But it was fun at the same time, so it's one of those movies. But I just I've always enjoyed this movie for whatever reason. Yep. Um, I agree, man. I, I, I love it, and it's not mm-hmm. great, but I just – there's something about this movie. And I, one of the things is that poster, like, oh, from mm-hmm. a very young age, that hooked me, and I just remember – it being one of the main VHS covers that I saw in my youth. Yes. Walking through video stores. Mm-hmm. Just being like, what is that? Yeah. And I watched yeah. it as soon as I could. <laughs> you know, I've even heard guys, non-horror fans, talk a lot about that cover. Like, people mm-hmm. who aren't typically into horror, they remember that cover as well. So I'm totally with you, Josh. That was very prevalent in video stores, yes. Yeah, fun watch, though. But, I mean, Deborah Foreman was amazing in the film. Amy Steele from Friday the 13th Part 2 being in this film gave it a little bit of credibility as well. Uh, Just, I mean, it's it's just a good, fun feel watch. And it did have some, uh, God, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who hadn't seen it, but it did have some, quote, unquote, pretty darn good kill scenes in it, Mm -hmm. unquote. (laughs) Yes. If people that's watched the movie know where I'm going, if you haven't watched it, then I'm trying not to spoil (laughs) nothing. Correct. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent I'm with you. And, um, you know, I love, I love April fool's day in a similar way to the way I love the prestige, you know, where, Mm. which is not a horror film, but (laughs) the prestige itself, it's about magic and it's really cool. If you watch that film, then mm-hmm. maybe you'll draw a parallel. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, really cool stuff. A- anything else about April Fool's Day? I didn't want to cut you short. Sorry, I was talking. No, sir, just that I think it's a really good, not a great film, but a really good film for a slasher. So I uh, highly recommend it, man. Definitely check it out. Now, the remake version sucks. No. Right? Yes. I mean, we don't Horrible. like Horrible. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. <laughs> but uh, the... The cover, you know, the the girl's cute, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but totally. I think it was shot in like Charlotte, North Carolina, too. And uh, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Scout Taylor Compton from Rob Zombie's Halloween. I'm seems like I remember her having some role in it. Uh, but yeah, that movie is just oh, no, no good redeeming qualities about that one. <laughs> I'm with you. All right, Wolfman Josh, what do you have for 1986? Well, I'm going to go back to the trauma well, which is so weird because I'm not, I don't necessarily consider myself a trauma (laughs) fan, but I feel like I've talked about a lot of trauma films during these reviews, but uh, Blood Hook is one, (laughs) that's another one that when I saw that poster, I was like, I'm watching this immediately. 
<laughs> and uh, when 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 Greg was talking about the mutilator <laughs> last time, all I could think of was that sounds like what I thought Bloodhook was going to be when I bought it. Like, I, <laughs> it sounds like what I wish Bloodhook was. Uh, Bloodhook is terrible, but it's a lot of fun in the way that trauma films are. It's campy. It's not as like wild as most trauma films. And I don't know when did, and I'm too lazy to have looked up the backstory about how exactly, I don't know if trauma produced this or acquired it or what, but um, it's wacky, but not, not as wacky as trauma. The wackiest element is the killer is using a fish hook to kill the people, but we're talking a gigantic, like foot long <laughs> hoagie size fish hook <laughs> with a floater on it. Right. It's, it's you, huge. You mean like the bobbin? Yeah, the bobbin thing is like <laughs> as big as a football, you know, or or, or a rugby ball. <laughs> and he's he's throwing this out there and hooking people and then literally reeling them in with a rod and reel. Like <laughs> that, <laughs> that reminds me of like like that that recent sli- slasher type movie, The Orange Man or whatever. <laughs> like he kills with people with a bag of oranges. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny to have comedic things to kill people with. I never really thought of that, but mm-hmm. anyway, he's good. Yeah, if, if you're someone who can stand a schlocky film that's ultimately kind of pointless, you know, Greg talked about how April Fool's Day is not a great film. This is really not a great film, right? but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's streaming for free on Amazon. You can watch it on the Troma channel on uh YouTube and I own the DVD. <laughs> nice. Well done. I had, to get this, cool. I had to buy this one on a blind buy, but uh, <laughs> not a not a great flick. But I like it. <laughs> well, that's what you For do. What it is? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. <laughs> well, I think majority people, uh, Wolfman. I, I think you will agree with this. Most people that know anything about trauma know what they're getting. So you go into it knowing you're getting. Uh, toxic avenger you're getting cheese factors yeah. so you got to go into it knowing th- that's what you're getting and i love them i mean i'm a huge trauma fan mm-hmm. and uh so i go into them just knowing that i'm not going to get great quality as far as acting uh yeah. some of the special effects will definitely not be up to par with you know higher uh budgeted films but they're fun because it's like a you know, a bunch of kids going out in the backyard making a movie sometimes it feels like. Yeah. And I love that style. <laughs> yep. You have to be in the right mood. And if yes. you are in the right mood, you'll have a good time. Absolutely. This is definitely if you yep. want if you have friends that like to laugh at bad movies, that's the way to watch Bloodhook. <laughs> Mystery Science Theater. This is just like MSK. Exactly. Man. That's exactly right. <laughs> right. Love it. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much. And what about you, Dr. Shock? What do you have for 1986? All right. For 1986, I have a movie that the original title was going to be The April Fools, (laughs) but they changed it with the Mm -hmm. knowing that another movie was going to be coming out called April Fool's Day, and it was changed to Killer Party. Nice. uh, Directed by William Fruett. I don't know if it's Fruel or Fruett. It's set in uh, college... Uh, sort of sorority. It centers on this college sorority. These three uh, girls are pledging um, the sorority house, and they decide it's Sigma Alpha Pi sorority. And what they're going to do is they're going to have their initiation of these three girls. You know, uh, bring them into the sorority in a old fraternity building that had been closed down because twenty years earlier 
during uh, another initiation or I guess a hell night or um, one student uh, or pledge had accidentally died and is buried in the backyard, actually. Um, they just buried him in the backyard of this uh, fraternity. And they uh, shut it down because in strange things start to happen in the building where they're going to go back into this building and not only do they have that uh, ceremony there but then then a little later on they have the April Fool's party inside the same fraternity which proves to not be a great idea Mm. Um, but one of the things about this movie that I like uh, right off the bat is the way it opens it it's sort of and I don't want to spoil it at all but the opening of this movie is going to frustrate some people because they go back to the, the same sort of idea twice. I liked it, uh, where where they're kind of on, almost plays into the whole April Fool's idea um, for the movie. Now, there is comedy in this one, Jay. It was funny, the quote you had mentioned about 1986 being a little heavier on comedy. This movie definitely is. It has Paul Bartel in it. Of He of uh, Eating Raul. Uh, fame and and um, working, you know, he had been in a few of uh, obviously Roger Corman movies back in the seventies. Um, he has a, a comedic role as a professor, and this one is a little heavy on comedy. And there are also a lot of scenes with the fraternities and sororities playing jokes on one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see UJ being maybe a little frustrated with the movie. Uh, it does become a slasher uh, later on, but then it even changes up again into more of a sort of supernatural bent. And that's when it gets even creepier. That's probably the creepiest scenes in the movie uh, uh, come when that enters enters into it. Uh, but overall, I did enjoy Killer Party. I think mm-hmm. that I could see it, like I said, I could see some people being a little bit turned off by the opening and maybe by the comedy and the long stretches of just the fraternity and sorority going back and forth with jokes and whatnot. Um, but overall, I was very surprised by this one. I had I had not seen this one before, and uh, I really did enjoy it. Excellent. Yeah, you know, Allison with a Y, that was also on her list. Um, mm-hmm. She actually loved, likes that quite a bit. She really enjoys it, says so she watches it repeatedly, and nice. one of her favorites. Yeah, cool little uh, poster as well. And um, William Fruitt, man, he went on to do the Friday 13th TV series. He actually, I know he directed the first episode, The Inheritance, and I think he directed quite a few of the Friday 13th TV series and uh, done some nice. other things. So, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy that one as well, Doc. Okay. Cool. All right. And so for my uh, 1986 pick, we'll move into our feature review of Mountaintop Motel Massacre. Far from the beaten path lies a friendly little inn. Girl, you better come get your critter before I chop his head off. Where folks come from miles around. Hold on! It's so sad to be alone. Help me make it through the night. To rest, relax. And make new friends. Honey, down. I'm Tanya. I'm Bill McWilly. Nevin Crenshaw. This is my cousin, Chrissy. Your relative? Cousin. Are you okay, man, Revin? Sorry. Crenshaw? Evelyn? Evelyn. <laughs> Tell your little wife I'll have a surprise for her. 
Now, I'm a strong believer in giving props, giving credit where credit's due, and I believe I very first ever heard of this film from our friend Boss Butcher. Boss Butcher. <laughs> on the Terror Troop, who is um, much like our friend Dr. Schlock here, who loves movies no matter what, even if they're bad. Hey. <laughs> and uh, no, I, lo- I love you guys for that. I really do. And I'm sure that I've heard Greg talk about this before. In fact, earlier in the series, um, Greg Amortis actually mentioned it at one point as well. So I got to give props to Greg Amortis too. Also a big influence of mine, Boss Butcher, Greg Amortis. So this movie, Mountaintop Motel Massacre, yeah, it was originally going to be called Mountaintop Motel. And it was made in 1983 actually, but then it... It's finally released in 86. It was streaming for a long time on Netflix. Watch instantly, but it's not anymore. But you could still watch it on Amazon for like three bucks. And I got to apologize to everybody, guys, because I actually did a review of this already on Horror Movie Podcast way back on episode 15. I had forgotten all about it. I talked, um, we had Levi the Unknown Murderer, our Mm. good buddy on the show, and I talked his leg off about this. So sorry if for the rerun, but I just thought it was a a fun film to talk about, um, especially because of the title. The tagline on this, this puppy is please do not disturb Evelyn. She already is. (laughs) 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 And the cover art is terrible. (laughs) Like if you look at the cover, you probably won't watch this movie and that would be a mistake. Because the cover art is awful. It, the tone of the cover art, it makes it look like it's just super silly campy. And, and it is a touch campy. But um, it's actually mostly pretty straightforward serious, believe it or not. Um, which I love. That's kind of my thing. And, and the best way to describe this, it certainly captures that special vibe of the 80s that we all love. And it even like feels a little bit older. It feels kind of like 70s. I describe this as the inbred sister film of Motel Hell. And in fact, it's not as good as Motel Hell now. But <laughs> but this would make a great triple feature, okay? This would be a killer-themed uh, episode, guys. We could call the episode Motel Massacre Madness or something. And you <laughs> could have Mountaintop Motel Massacre, Motel Hell... And eaten alive from 1977. Ooh, Toby Hooper. Yeah, so that's I mean, all that is about these nutty people huh. who run like an establishment where people stay, and then they start. <laughs> well, yeah, and then they start like taking them out. <laughs> anyway, that would be a really fun episode. So this is you know she this lady Evelyn she's this older lady the actress she looks very harmless really. Um, she was in a mental institution in, in Arkansas and she was released um, after being in there for a few years. So this is set in like 1981 is when it's set and she's running this, this hotel and, and, and when it opens as the film opens, the very first thing they show you after showing you that they've been, that she's been released, she's in the garden and she's, you know, working in her garden peacefully like a little old lady would. I mean, she just looks like somebody's grandma, kind of. And then uh, she sees her daughter's uh, guinea pig. I guess it's a guinea pig. And she tells her daughter to come and get it or else. (laughs) And her daughter doesn't come and get it. And so all of a sudden, right in the opening, she hacks off this guinea pig's head. 
and, and blood goes all over her. It's it's very violent, and um, I think it's meant to be shocking, but it, it's it's unintentionally. I mean, for me, it's funny, and I'm sorry, the PETA people will probably get ticked about that, but it's <laughs> it's kind of freaking hilarious. And then right after that, um, she hacks someone else up, and you you'd be really surprised by um her victim. I won't go into who or what. But then, like many slashers do, they open with the kill and set the tone. And then this one has a long, slow building where it's kind of a drought of kills. And what they do is they set up the various people who are coming to stay at the motel. You got um, you got a reverend. He's like a, a man of the cloth who's also an alcoholic. He stays. I <laughs> love him. <laughs> he is good. And then you've got this man. He's a, a journeyman carpenter. Um, and he's a pretty cool guy too. He, and, uh, then you have this couple on their honeymoon and, and they're actually in the beginning, they're kind of my favorite Greg Amortis, um, mm-hmm. because he, he's kind of a country boy and it's like their, their wedding night. And there are a few good lines. I think this captures what I've done. I've pulled some clips for people. There are a couple good lines that really capture kind of the spirit of this couple and I, I wanted to play them for everybody here. So here here's the first one that I love. This is it. What the hell do you expect? A holiday in? You know I can't afford that. I don't know why that's funny, but it just is. <laughs> and then <laughs> like like it sounds like, it sounds like farmer waits on troll two that performance. Yeah exactly. Oh God yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah his performance is a little rough. He's one of the the not as great actors, but um this one <laughs> this clip is freaking hilarious to me. I laugh out loud every time I hear it. And I'm thinking about trying this one on my wife. Okay, ready to listen. Did you see that? I'm not sure what I saw. I'd be a stunt man. Where's that dog? Hang on, baby. I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, there is no. The, I did not edit weirdness together. That's actually the script, that's what they say in order. He like there's a dog in the road and they swerve to miss it and he's <laughs> and then um it, you know that whole thing just unfolds right before you it's kind of hilarious. <sighs> Anyways, Greg Morris, I know you've seen this. T- tell me what you think about this movie. I I really enjoy it, man. It is a deceiving movie, like you said with the with the cover art. I will agree, but I think it is a a different take on a slasher film. I like the grittiness. I agree with you with the 70s vibe. It definitely has that that grittiness about a 70s film with the touch of comedy, which I don't think they were necessarily going for comedy. I just think the acting brought the comedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the snake scene. Yeah. And I think you know where I'm going with the snakes. Yes. Oh, my God. Cringeworthy. Um, some pretty darn decent uh, effects in this movie for the budget. I just I have a lot of fun with this one, and I, I agree. I remember Boss Butcher talking about this one, and uh, love Boss Butcher by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I do. I, I love this film, man. I have such a blast. And what's cool about it is the the Mountaintop Motel. It consists of like uh, four or five cabins, and they're mm-hmm. like individual little cabins. They're really old and run down. Uh, honestly, as an actor, I would have been. I I don't know. They, these are like seriously like hole in the wall places. But what's yes. really cool is the uh, the killer Evelyn. 
she she travels between them like through under underground tunnels and there's a trap door and she comes up into the cabins and that's how she attacks people and her weapon of choice is this little sickle it's like a handheld sickle it's kind of shaped like a c and i mean she hacks people with that thing and it's pretty freaking awesome yeah yeah i mean they've done a good job with this one yeah they totally did so Anyways, I think that this is um, one of those cinematic oddities. I mean, it's it's not great cinema as far as like you know Academy Award cinema or anything, but it, it for an '80s slasher, it is definitely one I think that is noteworthy. I think it's worth your time. Um, yep. it, it's the kind of thing. I mean, I give it like a six out of ten, uh, Greg Amortis. But I, even though I said six. If, if you ever have a chance to buy this, I think it's a definite purchase. So buy it if you could find it for sure. I think this is um, worth owning just because it's just such an oddity. It's the kind that if you ever have your friends over one night and you're going to be playing cards or something, you want to put something mm-hmm. wacky on, um, this is a good time. Oh, I would totally. This, this is arrow worthy. Arrow video. This is that worthy of of being released, or even the new label Vestron um, that Michael Felsher from Red Shirt Productions has uh, started. This is worthy of a Blu-ray bonus release kind of deal. And I would, oh man, it it, it totally needs to be. Somebody needs to release it. Yeah, and and you you name something. You mentioned something earlier that actually is is kind of funny about this film. When you're watching it, it's creepy. They want to depict that Evelyn is crazy. So mm-hmm. her initial onslaught for, uh, you know, the people is um, she likes to put these various critter, critters like poisonous animals, freaky animals. <laughs> she puts all these animals in their cabin just to kind of mm-hmm. like set forth this <laughs> chaos and havoc. And, and then she comes back around to kind of finish the job. And that's just it's freaking awesome. So that's called Mountaintop Motel Massacre from 1986. I give it a six out of ten. I say buy it. What do you say, Greg Amortis? Oh God, this is like a and I do rate high a lot of times, but this is a eight and a definite on absolutely. <laughs> I awesome. love it. Okay. Love it. All right, buddy. All right. So that that's that one. Let's move into uh well, actually, here's what we're gonna do, just so the listeners understand. We've got a ton to cover tonight, and we'll, and we're not copping out on you because we're gonna bring you some uh top five or top 10 list. I I can't see us like narrowing it down, but we'll be naming those off kind of fast a little later on. But, but here's what I thought I'd do. I'll just going to, I'm going to name drop titles. I'm going to go down through. And if there's anything additional that you guys want to say about any of these 80, 1986 titles, if you got a two cents to throw in, then let us know. Okay. There's the, the Texas chainsaw massacre two, of course, Jason Dragon had that at his number two, guys. Just saying. Um, uh-huh. And then and then Joe Brunette had it as number six. Um, there's a movie called Body Count, TV movie. Um, there's a movie called Midnight Killer. There's one that sounds really interesting to me. It's called The Zero Boys. It sounds a lot like Deliverance. <clears throat> Man, that looks uh, that poster like sucked me in in the title. Mm-hmm. Deliverance doesn't really strike a chord for me in terms of catching my interest, but man, I love the, uh, it, it I guess it excited me for a movie that it's not. <laughs> I, I see. Well, yeah. Ca- Captain Cracker describes it in his little, 
um, you know, his premise. He says, when a trio of weekend survivalists take their girlfriends into the mountains, they discover a gruesome massacre and are forced to defend themselves against murderous rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that's the one that just uh, had an Arrow video release. I'm pretty sure Arrow released that. Oh, excellent. Okay. And then you got uh, Crawl Space with Klaus Kinski. That was Klaus. on the list. Um, Truth or Dare is on the mm. list. One called uh, Dream Maniac. Dream Maniac. Um, Evil Laugh. Psycho 3, which was mentioned. Revenge. Scream Time. Slaughter High. Shadows Run Black. Friday the 13th Part 6. Jason Lives. Mm-hmm. Night Ripper. The Hitcher. Spine. What about that? Spine. You're intrigued. Mm. No. I'm intrigued. I don't know I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah, the two young women become the latest victims of a serial killer targeting nurses across the city, and they must find a way to escape his torture chamber if they wish to live. I'm sold. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And then there's one called <laughs> Sorority House Massacre. Which sounds mm-hmm. a lot like either a Halloween tribute or a Halloween ripoff. Um, Terror at Ten Killer, and then um, I'll now you guys can weigh in on this. I'm just putting it out there. I think a lot of people assume, or a lot of people think that Chopping Mall is a slasher, but really for me, it's a killer robot movie, right? Or do you guys yeah. disagree? Yeah. I can see that, yeah. But Jay, it's robots that are killing in a slasher style. <laughs> Terminator. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> Touche, sir. I guess I deserve that. Where's Red Cap at? <laughs> <laughs> and then we got, um, uh, and this isn't so much, but I could see why some people might include it. Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm-hmm. Insanely good film. I mean, it's, it's one of the it really is yeah. one of the great films. But Michael yeah, Roker right. was amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Don't you wish Choppy Mall lived up to its poster? That's yes. one of those movies when you see that poster, you think, whatever this is, I must see this immediately. <laughs> or and it, the movie, the movie's fun, and I know that there are a lot of fans of that film, but I just it's not the movie that it purports to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's title too, guys. I mean, like, yeah. What if somebody made a super killer good, like chopping mall, just like just like that um that that film that I love, which is a, a severe guilty pleasure, but it's from two thousand eight. It's called Gutter Balls. Man, uh-huh. I love that. It's set in a bowling alley, and there's all kind of bowling alley mischief. And and by the way, I see there's a Gutter Balls too, balls deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by mischief jay do you mean uh dismemberments and oh yeah yeah there's lots of uh killing uh, uh, surrounding bowling stuff anyway we'll get all you don't yeah. get me started on that okay the choppy mall is more of like a dalek gun wild movie yeah and the original title was Killbots. Which didn't do anything. It's a much better. That's so a much better title. It's more representative movie, yes. of the yes. film. Yeah. Okay. So, listeners, just so you know, so that's our coverage of 1986. And if it seemed thin, I'm going to put all the titles I just mentioned in in the show notes, so you can look them up and check them out as well. So I don't want anybody to feel cheated. And if we and miss- I also want people to know if they are this is their first time listening to the podcast, which you know I know that that's happening. 
we have covered the Friday the 13th entire franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street entire franchise in depth. We're talking like an hour to three hours on each movie. Um, <laughs> and the Friday the 13th part six, which Jay mentioned, we covered on horror movie podcast episode 44 and we talked about it for over an hour right right Mm -hmm. yeah so we're not being dismissive of those and we've also done you know halloween franchise as well so yeah yeah. okay sweet let's go into 1987 our uh good friend here uh captain cracker i hope he's our friend he writes the year low budget home video took over 1987 while home video releases had been fairly popular since 1983 these productions never actually ruled the slasher market. But in 1987, after a slew of disappointing theatrical releases from 86, filmmakers found a more profitable way to make an incredibly cheap movie that was almost guaranteed to make a decent amount of money. You see, home video was still a new thing in 1987, and it was more affordable than going out to the movies, which meant that it already had a great audience. You know, in that movie, guys, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, how Uncle Rico wants to get in a time machine and, or he wants to travel back in time to his like heyday. Right. Well, right. If I, if I could go back to the 80s, uh, the thing I would do, no kidding, is I would go to a video store and rent a, a VHS. That's what I would do if I could go back in time. (laughs) I miss that so bad. Just reading that made me super sad inside. I'm not even (laughs) messing right now. So anyways. Okay, guys, let's do it. So Dr. Shark, what do you have for 1987? 1987, I have a little movie called The Majorette. (laughs) Uh, This is interesting because it was directed by... Uh, Bill Heinzman, otherwise known as Zombie Number One in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, He directed a couple movies. Um, After this one, he made a zombie movie called Flesh Eater that (laughs) wasn't perfect, but it had its moments. You know, I enjoyed Flesh Eater. (laughs) And it has a Blu ray Uh, release. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a newer one, isn't it? Is that a newer Blu ray? I think it's Arrow as well. Yep. Um, This, and you know, this is a Later, um, Slasher, and this is what uh, Mr. Heinzman uh, tried his hand at at first, uh, with, with mm, I'd say, mixed results. Uh, it's set in a small suburb of Pittsburgh, and there's a killer, and he's going after the members of a high school majorette squad. Uh, and as, you know, as the girls, as they're sort of uh, dying off one by one, you have this uh, private eye who gets involved, he's... Um, teaming up, the private eye is actually dating the coach of the majorette uh, squad, and he's called in by the sheriff to sort of help figure out uh, what's going on here. And uh, the first story comes when this this the quarterback says that a, a day or so earlier, he heard one of the first victims arguing with a known drug dealer. Um, so the drug dealer is brought in for questioning. He's eventually released when his alibi checks out. But what happens then, along with, you know, the, the, with what's going on in the town, you now have this drug dealer looking for revenge against this quarterback. And that's one of the, the more interesting things about um, the Majorettes comes in is that the, the slasher elements are there and they're OK. Um, you don't get a lot of gore. You do get a couple of really good scenes, though. I know there's one that's set sort of in a in a um, in a locker room 
that that I enjoyed as far as like with the with the slasher. But there are other areas of the story, and one of them is you have this sort of subplot of this girl, um, one of the majorettes, whose um, her grandmother is very ill, and the grandmother's nurse um, is sort of this German woman who is keeping the grandmother alive until the granddaughter hits 18 years old, at which point her uh, inheritance comes in um, or something. Because what happens if the grandmother dies while the girl is still underage, the inheritance somehow goes into, goes over to the state. I don't fully understand exactly the, the reasoning behind that, if that's just sort of set up for this movie or whatnot. Uh, but once the girl hits 18, then um, the girl gets the money. So she's keeping the grandmother alive long enough so she can, the girl, the daughter, the granddaughter can become 18 so she can kill the granddaughter, kill the grandmother, and then she would somehow get the money. So you have that going on. And also the very ending of this movie, the setup with the quarterback and the drug dealer, you get a straight out action film. I mean, you're, this is something that could have been out of an 80s action movie, the, the ending of this film. Uh, not the very end, but um, what happens towards the end of this movie, it's not a bad action film. You know, it, it actually is, it's, you know, for a low budget movie, it's handled fairly well. So I liked those. I thought I didn't, the kills themselves, there's not a lot of tension to them. You know, it, it makes it a little hard because uh, you don't get invested in, in, in the, the girls as much. And they're a little bit interchangeable where you can't always identify who's who. Uh, you know, they didn't do a great job of setting them up at the beginning. Um, so that one, that's where it gets a little bit sketchy, but I did like some of the, the extra elements in the movie. Uh, and this might've been one of those video releases you were talking about, Jay. I didn't actually research that, but it definitely was a very low budget. Um, mm -hmm. and it has a, the, the, the great tagline of sis boom blood, you're dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Some of these taglines from the eighties. <laughs> I don't, I'm not so sure about them. Yeah. Bro. I don't know what, yeah, I think. I don't know how much thought they put into them, yeah. but even when I was looking up like posters for this, because I did cover this on the blog, I ended up using a, a VHS cover because that was the only one that actually looked any good. I want. I wonder if um, I was. I was wondering if that was a Beach Boys reference, but um, <laughs> maybe not. So, anyways, no. <laughs> okay. Here, here we <laughs> go. So I'm gonna go kind of quick through this. I just want to say. Oh, also in 1987 it came out and I am not considering this a slasher. I just want to say it there. Um, I'm not going to take the time to explain why but maybe we could, maybe in the comments or something, but Predator from 1987 with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hmm. I, I, although I believe that the Terminator is a slasher, I would not consider Predator a slasher. I think it crosses over that line into sci-fi action where it goes beyond and it doesn't have nearly as many tropes. I mean, I think it borrows somewhat from, you know, the monster horror movie kind of thing. But There's a stock in Slash. The stock in the Slash app. Yeah, I mean, it has yes, some it elements, but, it, but it, it's missing so many compared to the Terminator. But anyways, yeah. I won't spend a ton of time on it. If people want to debate that in the comments, you know, please feel um, free. You've just made... Greg from Toledo, very sad. <laughs> Greg, I'm sorry, brother. You know I love you, though. That's the gray man. I, I try not to upset the gray man. Um, anyways, okay, so I just wanted to put that out there in case people were wondering. But I do think it speaks to the only other reason I want to bring it up. I think it's interesting because 
it seems like what they started doing was taking this this final girl concept or this concept of a hero, uh, the victim who becomes hero and can actually stand up against the monster. And, and then that started becoming a thing that they did with cinematic vehicles. For example, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was a Schwarzenegger vehicle, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, guys, do you want to hear about, so for mine, for 1987, which sounds more intriguing? Because they're both great, actually, these premises. Berserker or Splatter Farm? (laughs) Okay, I'll do both. You you talk me into it. (laughs) Okay, watch how... Both three, just... Watch how how fast I am. Berserker. A Viking warrior donning fur and a bear snout who attacks and slays unfortunate teens on a camping trip. (laughs) You know... These would be straight to sci-fi movies if it was current. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it says, yes, um, our buddy Captain Cracker wrote straight to video. And then Splatter Farm, while spending time on their aunt's farm... Teenage twins discover she keeps her deceased husband's body around, and her handyman is a serial killer who dismembers his victims in the barn. <laughs> it went straight to video, but it's available on DVD. Ooh. There you go. I believe we have a couple of feature reviews, and we'll start out with uh, Greg Mortis. Tell us what you got. All righty. I'm going, of course, 1987, as you mentioned, a film. How about this? Released on Arrow Video, by the way. So, <laughs> I love Arrow Video. Oh, so good. Uh, a little film called Nightmare at Shadow Woods, a.k.a. Blood Rage. Looks like you're going to get a chance to meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped. I bred everybody. <laughs> Here's to the new family. Uh, <laughs> such a great little film, man. This is appropriate it's thanksgiving as we're recording it's actually thanksgiving day as we're recording right now Mm. and uh this is a thanksgiving slasher flick and there's very few uh thanksgiving horror films out there uh so very fittingly but yeah this is a story about two twins uh todd and terry who uh one of them ends up murdering somebody at a young age one goes to an asylum kind of a prison asylum. The other one kind of lives free. Uh, flash forward 10 plus years and some shenanigans start happening. Some people start dying and uh, some kind of twist and turns kind of deal. Uh, really, really, really fun watch, man. I love this movie for what it is. Um, there again, like I mentioned, it's called Nightmare at Shadow Woods, a.k.a. Blood Rage, reason being um you had kind of a television version of this, which is the nightmare at shadow woods where they kind of heavily, I mean, they really heavily edited all the gore out of it. Practically, uh, any kind of controversial killings or whatever's gone. I mean, it's like a bare bones. You watch it on NBC kind of show. Um, Mm. but then the rated unrated version is blood rage. Uh, the thing I like about the Arrow Video release is, is that it's a three-disc set, so you get Blood Rage in its entirety. You also get Nightmare at Shadow Woods version, 
And then you get another version where they kind of combined both of them. There's some hidden scenes that weren't in either. So uh, really stellar, stellar Blu-ray, man. It looks amazing. But this one has some really cool kill scenes in it. The acting is not good in this film, listeners, at all. Atrocious at points sometimes. But it's got some really good kills in it. And a pretty decent premise with the whole uh, Thanksgiving scenario. It opens up with... uh, family eating dinner you know thanksgiving dinner and then there's some people offed and uh just a really cool fun (laughs) film man i really enjoy it um the cover art that they put on it says this thanksgiving it's not cranberry sauce i like that (laughs) as a tagline (laughs) um not a huge fan of the poster work on either one um arrow has kind of a reversible sleeve you know there's one with a guy holding a machete and then there's another one with a hand holding like a can of, I guess you would say, cranberry sauce. I'm not a real big fan of either one of the poster arts, but I recommend this film, dude. I really enjoyed it. There again, bad acting, but good effects as far as kills. Kind of a twist. You kind of see it coming. It's, I don't think it's going to be a complete shocker to anybody. But at the same time, it's a cool little twist in it, and I just I had a lot of fun with it. Well, our uh, friend Jason Dragon had it at number 19, Greg, and he said, hands down, the single best Thanksgiving horror film ever made. <laughs> I can agree because, I mean, there's only a handful of them, and I don't even, when I think of Thanksgiving, I mean, you go back, you got this one, you've got like the the goofball comedy flick, Thanks Killing uh, with the oh. turkey. Oh, my oh. God. Sounds like a uh, freaking, I don't know, but yeah, talks. Unbearable. I know that we've <laughs> yeah. got some fans of that movie in our audience too, so I apologize, <laughs> listeners, but I just, that's not for me. No, and Wolfman, <laughs> there's like four of them now. Yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, I know, I know uh, one of our listeners, Joel O'Brien, was also really excited about this. He said, Really looking forward to hear you guys talk about Blood Rage. Hope you love it like I do. I have not seen it yet. Uh, it is now on my list, but uh, I'm glad we were able to get that review for Joel's. So thanks for that, Greg. Yeah, nice. I mean, shot in 83, it said, and didn't come out till 87. A lot of controversy on it, but man, check out. This is why I want you to buy it, Wolfman, for the Blu-ray release of it. You get the 2K restoration kind of deal, which is pretty much standard, but you get both sides of the camera. You get interview with the actresses. You get Double Jeopardy, which is an interview mm-hmm. with actor Mark. Uh, Soper, G's Louise interview with actress. Uh, you got ma- uh, man behind the mayhem with the makeup effects artist of Ed French. You get a uh, three minutes with Ted Ramey, uh, which is an interview with actor Ted Ramey. You get Return to yeah. Shadow Woods. You get all three versions of the film. It's it's just really really good, and the transfer looks absolutely gorgeous on it, man. Uh, I am I am mm. so happy that Arrow is releasing over here now. Yes. Uh, they are doing such a great job. Yeah, Absolutely. they really are. Nice. Yeah, and um, just for clarification purposes so people know, there is another horror film called Blood Rage from 1980, and um, that's directed by Joseph Zito, actually, and the premise of that is... What? A sexually frustrated young man kills hookers. <laughs> so that's... That's like, Maniac. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. I didn't know that was the AKA. I'm like, wait a second. Oh, I was like, what? Yeah, okay. So good job, Craig Amortis. You nailed it. <laughs> All right, let's move into Wolfman Josh's feature review. I think that Maniac is hiding in here. You go out of your mind. One, kill her. 
Kill her! All right, well, like Jay, I was a little bit torn here because there are so many great movies out there. Uh, there was one with what is one of the coolest posters with one of the weirdest taglines with one of the worst premises. Um, <laughs> the movie's called The Outing. I absolutely love the poster. The tagline, though, is don't say see you later. Say goodbye. They're not coming back. <laughs> mm. And the premise sounds <laughs> terrible. It says a museum's curator's daughter is possessed by an evil genie. And when her friends show up at the museum for an exhibit, she kills them in gruesome ways. So I almost watched that <laughs> because that sounded so terrible. <laughs> but um, no, I had to I had to cover stage fright here because I've. I've name dropped this film maybe 300 times during the course of these four episodes. <laughs> I just love this movie so much. It's one of my absolute all time favorite movies. And I'm not exactly sure why I revisited it just today um, to try to think of what it was exactly that is so alluring to me about this film. It's a pretty weird movie. It's definitely in the giallo form, but it's got some hardcore kills in this movie, some really violent, violent scenes in this movie, and also just some really cool imagery. The basic concept here is that there's a killer who escapes from a mental institution, and so everyone in the nearby area is on guard. The police are out. It's everything you would expect to see uh, when something like this happens, everyone's on guard that this is going on. It's not like in Halloween where no one believes that there's a threat. Um, everyone's like, okay, we're on lockdown. Cops are patrolling the streets. And there's a group of actors who are rehearsing for a performance. And it's already going poorly before the killers on the loose. They all hate each other's guts. They all hate the director. They're not getting paid what they think they should be getting paid. Um, there's, great drama in kind of the way the thing sets up the drama between the characters where there's tension that already exists, right? Now they're on lockdown together. So they're stuck together in this building for the play rehearsal all night. Then what we don't know is that escaped killer has accidentally been locked into the building with them. So they're stuck in this building with the person who you know, they're all trying to avoid by being in here on lockdown and the killer, like these actors has a fair flair for the dramatic. And we see some really crazy things go down in the course of this movie. It's <laughs> one I really highly recommend. I love the blue underground release of this film. Um, there's not a lot of features or anything to it, but it looks great. And um, this is a weird one to track down simply for the title. Uh, it's called Stage Fright. It's called Aquarius. It's called Stage Fright Aquarius. It's called Deliria. It's called Bloody Bird. But <laughs> the best way to find it is just to go to Blue Underground and buy their release. It's a quality release, and it's a great movie. And if you like the Giallo style, this, this is a classic stock and slash. You've got the one location. You've got the increased paranoia. Um, if people are familiar with the newer stage fright musical mm -hmm. film, this is not similar to that. Really. There are a few so the meatloaf one from 2014. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily consider it a meatloaf movie. He's not like, the right. Main character well, I'm just saying that's <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but 
Yeah, this is uh, that film is more of like a Phantom of the Opera meets. Uh, I won't go. I won't get into that stage fright. Other than just to say, this is not a musical. It's not the same plot line. Mm-hmm. There are some similarities. I don't know if uh, you know it was intended in any way to actually be a retread, or if it's just a great title for a movie that's about you know a theater production. So, um, but yeah, this is this is a good one, and it's one that I highly recommend. And I I don't know, uh, man. I, I'll go ahead and give this a nine out of ten and say buy it. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. What did you rate the new one? Just curious. That 2014 oh, maybe one. maybe like a six or something like that. Oh, I, okay. So. I, I like it. Musicals aren't necessarily my thing. I like a good musical, but I don't, it's not like a genre that I necessarily seek out. Um, my, it's also pretty wall to wall music. There are a lot of dialogue scenes in that movie, but that's like a little bit too much music for my taste. See, and I, I hate musicals and I actually like the 2014 film pretty well. And it's I'm fine. I it's, did too. It's, it's I love watchable. musicals. It's on Netflix right now. That, that film. So absolutely check it out if you like it. I, I don't dislike that movie, but I think this is the superior film by a long stretch. Agreed. Agree. I gotcha. So Josh says it's a nine out of ten. It says buy it. I will just say, actually, if I could say one more thing about this, the director of this film, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to try, but he was a protege of uh, Dario Argento, and he went on to direct The Church and Cemetery Man, which are both really good films. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I love Cemetery those? Man. Yes, yeah, we I love do. Love Cemetery Man. Yep. So yep. just so everyone knows, that's it's the same director as those films. What would you rate it, Greg? Uh, would probably give it a eight five to a nine as well. The eighty seven stage fright, yeah, cool. yeah, it's a must own, man. Cool. Okay, excellent. So let's uh, we'll run down through the other eighty seven movies here, and uh, just let me know if you have any additional comments or anything to say. Just tell it. And of course, in nineteen eighty seven, we had a Nightmare on Elm Street three, The Dream Warriors. That's Joe Brunette's number thirteen. <laughs> probably one of the best in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then Allison with a Y, uh, she she uh, made sure that we mentioned a killer workout, aka oh. aerobicide. Yes, and I just bought that. <laughs> I bought that and on Blu-ray, and I love it, man. So good, <laughs> Allison with a Y. I love you. Can I just say, I think Allison with a Y should probably be hosting this show. I feel like. Her <laughs> picks are always like so much deeper cuts than ours. She always knows like every obscure movie. I just feel like put to shame <laughs> yeah. every time I interact with well, Allison. Well, you, you know what agree. we should do? Let's do this. Why, why don't we invite Allison with a Y right now as, Absolutely. A, as a guest on our very next episode uh, for our Frankensteinian episode? Oh, wow. So, Allison, uh, what I'm talking about is on December 7th. That Wednesday night. Uh, let us know if you're available. We'd love to have you on the show as a guest. <laughs> Let's do this. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so Allison writes, uh, the killer workout isn't as fun as Death Spa, but it's more of a traditional slasher. Did I say yeah. Death Spa? You did. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. For some reason in my mind, it sounded like I said Death Spa. <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> anyway, she said it's worth a watch once. If you're into that, so so bad it's good territory. Anyways. I love Killer Workout. Then there's a film called Anguish. 
There's a film mm. called Backwoods. There's a film which I've I've always loved. I'm not a comedy horror guy, as you know, but um, Blood Diner I love. It's a big tribute to Blood Feast. It's like a, uh, that's a that's a great movie. I love Blood Diner. Yeah, and that one got the uh, Vestron Blu-ray release. I'm pretty sure. It's oh, a man. solid movie. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's it's intense, especially if you love Blood Feast. It's a great tribute. Mm, yeah. uh, Blood Frenzy. Blood Harvest, Blood mm-hmm. Lake. I, I'm sensing mm-hmm. a recurring theme here. Uh, mm-hmm. Bloody Movie, and then there's one called Body Count. It seems like I mentioned a body count already, but um, mm-hmm. the other title is this is in a different language. Camping Del Terror, Del Terror, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, this one's weird. It's called Deadly Love. Let me read you this premise. After her troubled aunt is drawn to suicide. A young woman in her inherits her house and must deal with violent teenage punks, a masked serial killer, and the zombie of her aunt's deceased lover that died decades ago. <laughs> wow. There you go. That's a, that's a premise for you. Um, Death Nurse is another one. You got Delirium Photos of Gloria. You got Killing Spree, and I'm not really sure about this one. Now, now some of these, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but Captain Cracker, some of these, I'm not 100% sure. So, if you guys don't feel these are slashers, maybe not. I haven't seen them. But Miami Vendetta is one he had on his list. Open House, and then, of course, Opera, Dario Argento. Yes. Mm-hmm. Return to Horror High. Mm-hmm. This one's kind of a question mark. The Shaman. And then you got Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got one called uh, Slaughterhouse. That's one of those mm-hmm. films that has reading the, you know, the premise and stuff. It's one of those that doesn't really play the same in this PC culture that we're in now. And then you mm-hmm. got one called Slumber Party Massacre 2, of yes. course, which people already know and love. Um, the Stepfather. Streets of One Death. One of my favorites, by the way, Stepfather. I Stepfather. love it. Stepfather. T- Terry? Oh, Terry Quinn. Terry O'Quinn. Terry Quinn. Yeah, Terry O'Quinn, right? God, such a good movie. Let me tell you a really interesting story about that. Like, um, Stepfather. I, I actually, I live in the most conservative neighborhood in America. And, um, <laughs> and, and this isn't the 87 version, but I walked next door and they were there was like a street a street wide yard sale and they had the 2009 uh, stepfather for sale mm-hmm. for a dollar <laughs> next door. And oh, I, just, wow. I just thought that was the most random thing. Anyways, good story, Jay. Good job. End of story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it just, it, it speaks to my, my love of finding just, it's like, what is that movie doing here? You know, like right, at libraries right. and stuff. Anyways, right. we got to do that library episode. I can't wait. Uh, Streets of Death, Twisted Nightmare, Venus Flytrap, Video Violence. Here's one I put two stars by just because it interested me. A normal, unsuspecting couple find themselves completely immersed in a town of crazies that produce and watch their own snuff films. Yikes. Right? And then they made a wow. video. Apparently, in the same year, they made a video violence too, which is um, similar. Anyways, 
There you go. I think that's what we have for. We'll say if people are googling aerobicide or they uh, they're looking for killer workout, put killer workout in 1987 because I got like um, CrossFit pages and uh, muscle fitness and uh, mental <laughs> health <laughs> coming up. So uh, yeah, put maybe a killer workout movie or killer workout 1987 in your Google search or horror or slasher. Yes, there you go. There you go. So I don't <laughs> type in big balls for like baseball. <laughs> right. <exactly>. Right. <laughs> That's good advice for anyone there, Greg. Just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Big balls is never a good search term. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on what you're looking for, Dr. Chuck. <laughs> so uh, 1988, Captain Cracker, our friend, titles this page Sequels and Home Video Madness 1988. He just wrote, it almost sounded like he got a little bit disheartened at this point in his blog. He wrote, really, it's becoming harder and harder to analyze the slasher film genre by the time 1988 rolled around. Really, it's because not much had changed within the genre's parameters since 1987. The films enjoyed the same amount of success, although there was slightly more success with theatrical releases that had not been seen since 1983 <laughs> that was really interesting <laughs> paragraph anyways um here here's the one i'm gonna highlight for this year guys there's a film called wood chipper massacre so yeah. so basically if you make a film and you put massacre in it i'm gonna love it even if it's terrible nail gun massacre mountaintop motel massacre wood chipper massacre it's just hilarious when massacres in the title the premise is, after murdering their annoying aunt. What is it with everybody's aunt? <laughs> it's always it's always an aunt. Sleepaway camp. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, people are always mad at their aunt. Okay. After murdering the aunt, a trio of demented siblings discard of fresh human remains and the biggest wood chipper ever. Straight video available on DVD. I haven't seen it. It sounds like you've seen it, Greg Mortis. No, I was just I was laughing at the premise. I actually have not seen that. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, if anybody's seen that, let us know what you think. I bet it's a doozy. All right, Doctor Shock, what do you got for 1988? All right, 1988. I have a little movie. This one's going to be a little bit more mainstream than my other two picks. I have a movie called Maniac Cop, oh, directed yes. by William Lustig. And starring the great Tom Atkins, the great Bruce Campbell. Um, and who was it? Well, I'm not going to get into that right now. Anyway, the movie uh, is about a cop who has gone renegade and is murdering people. Not even renegade, I guess. He's just murdering people. Uh, there's a scene at the beginning. This woman's running from two muggers. Um, she manages to get away from them, and she's making a run for it. And she sees a, a sort of a silhouette of a... Of a very large policeman standing in this darkened, uh, you know, uh, New York City park. So he goes running up to him and uh, turns out that um, she might have had a better chance with the muggers uh, because she does not survive her encounter with the policeman. And uh, I like how this thing sets it up or uh, sets itself up at the beginning. Uh, you know, you have Tom Atkins who plays this uh, detective. And he starts thinking, yeah, I wonder if it, if it is someone on the force. Everyone else on the on the police force is like, no, you know, they're, they're sort of burying the story about it being a cop. And Tom Atkins is like, no, I think we should probably let people know 
that there might be this policeman out there who's who's killing people. Um, <laughs> well, he he eventually goes to a, a a contact a reporter he has as a contact and says, "Look, we got to get the story out there. People can't just trust the police. This this one policeman running up to him." And then we get a scene of what happens after that. Is like as soon as that news story is out, a a patrolman makes a routine stop of a woman. I don't know what you know for speeding. And she's nervous. It's the maniac cop and pulls out a gun and shoots this poor patrolman rookie cop dead. So it's very interesting some of what they bring into this story. You know, I, I liked how they sort of uh, take, took a look at it from both sides. Because so at that point, kind of like the Tom Atkins character, hey, I think you kind of screwed up a little bit here. But there's a lot of different things going on in this movie. But what what's really interesting about it, I think, is the maniac cop himself. You end up learning a lot about this character and he's played by Robert Zadar who is a very very imposing figure very big guy and it's interesting in that you you develop a little bit of sympathy for him but by this at the same token he is a straight up homicidal maniac by this point of the story uh and the movie takes some twists and turns that I enjoyed um and it's one that I just I, I watched it for this year's 31 days of horror for October and uh, it it's just a, a very well done uh, late eighties slasher film. Mm-hmm. Got to back you on that. That's mm-hmm. like, uh, man, I really like it. we. You know, that's an interesting franchise to talk about at some point. We should get around yeah. to it. But um, yep. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on that one. It's been a while, but I think I'm in the, like at least seven point five ish range for me. Same. Sammy yeah, too. me dad, I'd say the same thing. You like it, Greg Mortis? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And, you know, last episode, I can't remember who commented that, that I had probably the saying of the episode for it's on YouTube. Well, tonight's going to be the saying <laughs> for this episode is it's on Blu-ray with Arrow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I'm going to continue saying Arrow released, it. Arrow released it. So there you go. I cannot remember, and I apologize. It was Sal was Roma. Was Sal Roma. So there you go, Sal Roma. It's available on Blu-ray via Arrow Video. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Stellar release. Stellar. Good one, Dr. Shock. Thank you very much. And yeah, if listeners haven't seen that, that should definitely go high on the list. Okay, Wolfman Josh, what do you have for 1988? Man, there are a lot of good movies this year to discuss. There's this movie I've been actually trying to get a hold of. If anybody has a copy, please get in touch with me. It's called Iced. I have not seen it. Oh, yeah. But um, the premise sounds very similar to the first screenplay I wrote um, with my roommate back in, uh, you know, when I was like 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, um, which was a slasher film. The first thing I ever tried to write. And uh, it's eerily similar to the plot of Iced. But um, I've not seen it. So, man, there's so many good movies. And, and I'm, Ice, I'm one gonna... thing about Iced, by the way, yeah. is um, just from what I read about it, it, it appears to be a ski, like a skiing yes. slasher flick. Yes, exactly. Which yeah. is uh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, when I wrote, you know, I was in the midst of my fandom for Scream at the time that I um, wrote that film. And, it, it, you know, we would always talk about it as Scream at a ski resort. Uh, but that movie is called Snowed In. If anyone wants to produce it, give me, mm-hmm. give me a holler. It's, give me a holler. The in like I N N because it takes a place at this. Uh, I was gonna game. say, um, yeah, we saw that movie at the meetup. It was called Snowed In. Matt and our, <laughs> our buddy, our buddy Adam made that joke about it. 
snowed in. He's like, you're going to see a horror movie, right? Snowed in. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the, this is the snowed in, and um, it's uh, we pitched it as Scream at a Ski Resort, but it's actually um, it's actually like the premise of the film that I wrote is uh, this resort has been struggling to stay in business. So in order to try to like up business, it's the small resort in Utah, like a family owned mountain. They bring in a uh, film festival to kind of try to like uh, attract attention like Sundance had uh, to get people to come to their little resort. Yes. And then there's a um, avalanche that blocks off the road and a killer starts taking people out uh, at this like film festival I in, love the, it. in the mountains kind and, of situation. Josh, you should have some people get stuck on the ski lift. <laughs> oh, great like, idea. Be frozen <laughs> no. up there. No. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, yeah, that's I, iced, iced is a childhood friends reunite for the opening of a posh ski resort, unaware that an old nemesis dressed in a skier outfit has murderous plans for them, which is not unlike uh, my first attempt at writing. But, um, you know, I'm going to go to bat really quickly for Halloween 4 yes. because <laughs> I'm appalled that this is not still an option in the slasher madness pool. Um, yeah. This is, I think, one of the greatest slashers ever, let alone of uh, this year. And so uh, I'm, I'm just sad that it, it didn't didn't make the cut as far as our listeners were concerned against whatever it was up against. But I'm here to tell you, horror fans, Halloween 4 is where it's at. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Joe Burnett agrees. His number 12. If people heard our Halloween coverage, you'll know that I very picky about my Michael Myers masks. And this actor, I, whose name I'm blanking on, Greg can help me out, who plays Michael Myers. He's a little bit older gentleman, and he doesn't have kind of the gait that I prefer in a Michael Myers. Nice guy. But um, is it Dick Warlock was the no, Michael? No, no. Number five was uh, George P. Wilbur. Yes, that's right. Yes, George P. Wilbur. Other than the look of Michael Myers, which bugs me a bit, <laughs> and you know the Salt Lake City architecture doesn't necessarily match up to what we've seen in the franchise in parts one and two. I am really uh, proud that this movie was made here locally, <laughs> and that's one of my favorites. <laughs> Greg Amortis, what do you have for uh, 1988? I-, I will agree with Wolfman. This is one of those years. There's some releases in here, but I'm going to go with one I have not seen since VHS day. And I have searched and searched and searched and trying to get my hands on it. And I'm thinking 88 Films has this or one of those has it. So I got to get it now that I have a region-free player. But a film called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers (laughs) or Hollywood Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) AK. I mean, this is one of those movies that I remember watching this movie. Okay. And I remember it very well because of the cover art you had the the chick with the chainsaw and and the whole nine yards and uh i just remember watching it on vhs when i was younger but god i just i don't remember a whole lot whether i liked it or not so i'm trying and i've been trying to get my hands on it but there again i'm wanting to say it was 88 films that has it or somebody so i will eventually get this hopefully uh this does have aka Leatherface himself from the original Chainsaw Massacre, Gunnar Hansen in it. Uh, you got Lene Quigley, the also beautiful Lene Quigley in it. Uh, just similar, just kind of a simple plot. A detective's trying to find a uh, runaway, uh, teenage runaway who is Lene Quigley. And then there's these 
uh, chainsaw wielding prostitutes, man, led by Gunnar Hansen. And I just, for the life of me, I can't remember enough of this to know if I'm going to like it or not again. I don't know if it holds up, but just the whole premise makes me say I'm going to love this so much. Uh, so like I said, I don't have a whole lot on this other than the fact Gunnar Hansen was in it. Saw some trivia. It was shot in five days. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, this is probably going to be a movie. And if you've watched it, listeners <laughs> comment, uh, I've seen it, but there again, it's been multiple years, so I cannot hold a test that it will hold up to the sands of time. But when I get it, I will let you know jay and you can comment six months down the road say hey greg amortis rewatched it and this is what he thinks okay uh but man this is just totally the poster art just i mean prostitutes with a chainsaw dude it don't get no better <laughs> that's right well it says you can order it on amazon you can get it well i want the blu-ray there's okay. a blu-ray of it i don't know if there's a blu-ray on amazon but i get you I I, I'm looking that up right now there, Jay. So continue on. If it's on there, I'm adding it to my Amazon so I can get it on my two days free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right. So um, as I go down through here, I'm going to go down through the 1988 releases. And of course, we have to mention Child's Play, right? Yes. I That's mean, one that, you know, the listeners have been clamoring for us to do a franchise review of. And um, hmm. All I have to say is be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, that's a lot of movies now. It's up around, what, six, seven. How many of those are there now? It's a lot. There is seven, I believe. They got another one coming out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's on the to-do list, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Sure thing. Okay, yeah, and that's uh, Joe Brunette's number 18 on his list. Okay, so there's one called Hide and Shriek that was on Jason Dragon's list. He said, yet another horror film that takes place in a furniture store. <laughs> so there you go. That's kind of interesting. Um, 555 is a 1988 yeah, I saw one. saw that one. Yeah. Um, American Gothic. That's another one of those movies that I remember the poster and I've seen mm-hmm. it, but I don't remember hardly anything about it. Um, mm-hmm. But the premises I'm looking at sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't remember actually seeing the movie much more than, you know, just the ba- vague basics, but gotcha. And then you got uh hamster damned. <laughs> yes. And then you got a uh, <laughs> bad dreams. And then here's one that sounds really intriguing. Cannibal camp out. When college friends arrive for a fun-filled weekend of camping in the wilderness, they are stalked and terrorized by a brood of bloodthirsty mountain cannibals. <laughs> yes. Man, Amsterdam sounds awesome. I'm going to have to check that one out. The killer who uses the canal network in, in Amsterdam to attack unsuspecting victims. Um, that's a place where I lived for a little while, and that's a beautiful place, and that would be a great setting for a kid, for a slasher, actually. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Then there's a cheerleader camp. So, you know, when they announced Death Proof, uh-huh. the very first, like, logline I saw for it was a stuntman stalks uh, women working on a cheerleader movie. And that was the very first, like, thing I ever had heard about it. And so I imagined it was going to take place on like a hollywood set and somebody would be shooting this movie like cheerleader camp mm-hmm. and and you know stuntman mike would be a guy who was working on the on the studio set or something or like in the you know 
And I was really excited for that version of a movie. Now I, I liked Death Proof Okay. I liked, you know, there's a lot of things to like about it, but I kind of want to see that movie I thought it was going to be. I want to see a behind the scenes of cheerleader camp with a crazed stuntman on the studio lot stalking <laughs> the actors, you know? <laughs> well, what's great is that you're a filmmaker, Josh, and you could do this for us. Well, you... I don't want to make that movie. I'm right. too busy with my scream on a ski slopes movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Then we got Deadly Dreams. And then we got uh, Death Nurse 2, <laughs> of course. Because you need a second one of those. Uh, yes. De- Death Row Diner. Dial colon help. <laughs> Dial help. Don't Be Afraid of Aunt Martha, which is a.k.a. The Murder Secret. <laughs> Again, yeah. another ant movie, right? Yeah. This is crazy. Murder Secret is a weird title, and that poster is weird. Yes, it is. And then here's one that's very intriguing. Uh, Edge of the Axe, the premise in the forests of Northern California, an axe-wielding maniac hacks up beautiful, naked young women. <laughs> there you go. That poster's creepy looking, though. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then you got Fatal Pulse. And then, of course, you got Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Yeah. And- I, I, this is one that, you know, on the rewatch, I was really shocked how much I loved this. I, it was kind of one that I didn't expect to like as much as I did because has a really arch supernatural element that's so outside the Friday the 13th universe, but it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And then uh, what about grotesque? And then you got one that has a Halloween setting, like it's set at Halloween. It's called Hack-O-Lantern, Hack-O-Lantern, Mutilated Corpses, Warnings of Murder, Dark Chants, and Robbed Graves Lead a Young Man to Believe a Satanic Cult is Sacrificing Victims on Halloween. Straight to video. Then you have the hackers. Then you have a really bizarre one. It's called Hard Rock Nightmare. Before going on tour, a rock band and their groupies rent a cabin in the woods. After one of the band members has a terrifying nightmare about a werewolf, a strange beast starts killing off the group. I don't know if that sounds like a slasher, but it was on the list. (laughs) Interesting. That yeah. sounds like something you should check out, though, Josh, since you're a wolf Definitely. guy. Yeah, I'm a hard rocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Captain Cracker's very inclusive in his list. He's not um, – he uh, number one, he includes, like, really obscure titles that a lot of us have never heard of. Right. But he also, um, you know, doesn't shy away from putting stuff that may be controversial. That's true. That's true. That's why I like Captain Cracker. Um, there's another Halloween setting. It's called hollow gate. Um, and it's due to years of uh, abuse at the hands of an alcoholic father. A man goes on a killing spree every couple of Halloweens. So it's not every Halloween. He just gets around to it every couple of Halloweens. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the last slumber party, um, Memorial Valley Massacre, a.k.a. Memorial Day. It seems like they shied away from the Memorial Day title, though. Probably <laughs> probably got some raised eyebrows on that. Uh, Night Screams, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, Phantom of Death, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, Too Beautiful to Die, The Undertaker, that, that sounds pretty neat. And then, like Josh was saying about inclusiveness, Captain Cracker included Pumpkinhead on this list 
And I, I after thinking about it, it does have many slasher type tropes to it. Hmm. You got the prior evil, you got the one by one picking off, you got, you know, I mean, there, there are some similarities I see. And of course, Jay has reviewed that in a crossover review with the now defunct Dead as Hell podcast. That's right. And then um, two two that he listed that don't sound like slashers, at least, but are Phantom Brother and Ghost House. So there you go. Final year. (laughs) (laughs) We made it. Here we are at 1989. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Cracker writes, the end of an era, 1989. And here we have it, the final year of the 80s. And oddly... The final year of the slasher film boom. Yes, the 90s had its fair share of slashers, but none hit the mark quite as well as the 80s did. And honestly, when someone mentions a slasher film, you automatically think back to the 80s. Uh, For slashers, 1989 proved a definitive end. Most of the movies were neither financial nor critical successes, and much of that charm that made entries from earlier years so much fun had been used up. (laughs) Yes, 1989 was the end of an era, the end of a decade, and a nice end to the slasher boom. So, Wolfman Josh, what do you have for 1989? Well, I hope one of you has seen Nightmare Beach because that looks incredible to me and I'm going to buy it just based on the poster. Um, But I won't talk about that one since I haven't seen it. Yeah, read the, premise, gonna, read the premise if you don't mind, because that is another beach slasher, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah. It says, a long dead biker returns from the grave to continue his bloodthirsty rampage against a collection of partying college kids at the beach. Straight to video, available on DVD. So, so. a good double feature with the mutilator, perhaps. Yeah, I, uh, I am picking this up. It looks incredible. It looks so good. And there are a lot of alternate titles for that one I found when I was originally researching it. I just They're not on Captain Cracker's website, which is all I'm looking at at the moment. Um, but uh, there are some other AKA titles I can, I can look into um, for that film. I'm going to do another heavy hitter. I know we're, we've mostly shied away from those <clears throat> on the show, but I was recently on the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast, over there, they're covering the Halloween franchise, and uh, I they asked me on to talk about Halloween Resurrection, and he said the reason for that was, he said, you're well known for liking the worst film in a film franchise, and I said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Ron Martin, guess, sassy. Yeah, yeah, Ron Martin and Little Miss Horner, Jessica over there, they really don't like my review. Like we really clash on our points of view and uh, they took me to task for several things. But one of those was for being an undying fan of Friday the 13th part eight. Jason takes a boat or no, no, Jason takes Manhattan. And um, what's wrong with that? (laughs) We like it. I love it. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it's mostly on a barge. That's fine. So you kill people on a barge. You know, I love killing people on barges all the time. <laughs> but um, no, it's a fun movie. It's got some crazy, ridiculous moments. But this was just for me one of my childhood touchstone films that just has stuck with me my whole life. And I love that movie. And we we talked about this again in depth during our Friday the 13th franchise review, which we'll put links to in the show notes at horrormoviepodcast.com. But um, yeah, I'm not apologizing for it. Love no. it. 
I agree. <laughs> I don't think you should apologize for that. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I got one here from 1989. It's called Offerings. And the premise is, a decade following a traumatizing event where neighborhood bullies got the best of him, a man murders those who wronged him and leaves their body parts as presents for the one girl who was kind to him. <laughs> I love the sound of that. Has anybody seen that? Because I want to see it. No, no not for sure. Okay. Not. Well, yeah, let's, we'll look into that. But that's mine. What do you have All for right. 1989, Greg Amortis? Uh, so many great ones. We know why Slashers died in 1989. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It wasn't just because of this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go with a heavy hitter. I would say a heavy hitter from Wes Craven. How about a little film called Shocker? Oh, yes. uh, I just I don't know why I like this movie, man. The story okay. about Pinker and, uh, who comes back he, he's uh executed and then he comes back through electricity and uh i like one it of those too flicks. i like it a lot because of the soundtrack i think it's the score megadeth and you know no more mr nice guy and just the whole soundtrack is great and of course i love wes craven rest in peace brother but uh i don't know man it's got a good good feeling it's much like a film that i think was released same year the horror show is a mm. lot like that. And I believe horror show was 89. It may have been 88, something around in that era. But anyways, the horror show and this one's very similar in plots, but shocker, you know, with Wes Craven that just freaking, I love this movie. Um, not the greatest movie in the world. And it does have some comedic sides and it's got some, uh, sometimes some over the top hokey, uh, special effects, but I still, I just, I like this movie, bro. Excellent. Well, and the horror show was intriguing too. Cause I see that was, uh, um, it has Meat Cleaver Max in it, Greg. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, I love that. Dude, and, and I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, Lance Hendrickson, um, uh, it just has the plot of, of, of somebody being executed and coming back. And it's, it, I mean, it's almost like a total ripoff of Shocker or Shocker's a total ripoff of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I've got it listed as they were both released in 89. So yeah. I'm not for sure. Me too. That's what I have. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I own both of them on Blu-ray, so there you nice. go. Um, just to go back really quick, since I promised, uh, the AKA title for Nightmare Beach is Welcome to Spring Break. So, nice. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, let's move into, I know, one of my favorite slashers of the 80s in Dr. Shock's feature review. All right. My feature review is Intruder. It's closing time. But the night crew still has work to do. Because there's one last customer who isn't satisfied. No, this creep keeps calling you. He's driving us nuts. Leave me alone. He wants to slash their prices. He wants to cut their inventory. He wants to jump until they all drop. Directed by Scott Spiegel and uh, starring Elizabeth Cox, Renee Estevez, and Dan Hicks. This is set in a grocery store, the Walnut Lake Grocery Store. <laughs> and um, a lot goes on at the at the start of this night. Um, you have a uh, the ex-boyfriend of one of the cashiers 
stops by at closing time and 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 sort of harasses um, the Jennifer, one of one of the cashiers, his his girlfriend. Why hasn't he? She's been calling him back, only to get into sort of a confrontation with a number of the other employees, and he gets thrown out of the store. Um, then you get the two owners of the store, Danny and Bill, announce that they've sold it to the city, and everyone is going to be out of a job uh, once the uh, once the first of the month rolls around. Uh, but really what this movie is about is about somebody gets into the store. Somebody is in the store and um, they start hunting down the members of the staff in some very interesting ways. Now, one of the things I really like about Intruder are, you know, one of the things that usually sets a, where, where a slasher film can set itself apart when it's following the, the formula is in the kill scenes mm-hmm. and, and, and how far they go with the kill scenes. Well, this movie goes fairly far. All right. Yes. And you, you get some very uh, graphic uh, kills in this movie. Um, so, you know, some uh, of the best, right, uh, Dr. Shock? I mean, if you I have the so, right yeah. version. Right. Yeah, yes. okay. I mean, you, get, you, get, you get, there's a lot of stuff in a, in a, gro- in a grocery store. You know, that, that you could, in a normal grocery store environment, that you could you get butcher's knives, you get, you get meat hooks, you get the, the baler, the cardboard baler. Oh, yeah. Um, you, could, you know, and they pretty much fall back on any sort of object you can find in a grocery store that you could hurt someone with. That's <laughs> what they use in this movie. I love it. And, yeah, it's, you, you get, you get, you get uh, feet, you get hands dropped in with the lobsters. Um, you, you get a lot of, of, of very interesting kill scenes in this movie. Um, and it is sort of, it is a a straight up slasher movie, but, um, that's one of, that's where, for me, where it really sets itself apart is just how far it goes with the kill scenes. Yeah. And I, I, I gotta back you on this because one of my favorite things, it's very artistic and interesting, especially for a slasher, because they do some creative stuff with the camera and cinematography. Like, for example, um, there's one shot where we, of course, as the audience, identify with the camera's perspective, and it peers right. up through a floor while it's being mopped. So you're looking at the underside of the floor. Yeah, there's, there's a couple that are set in, like, a, like a shopping carts. Mm-hmm. Um, we even get one inside a phone at one point. Um, that is always a little bit distracting it, to me. It That's is. That's not my favorite favorite thing about the movie and and, and you know and, and this is um you know scott spiegel has worked a lot with sam raimi mm-hmm. um it's, i think sam raimi even has a cameo he even has a role in this man i know bruce campbell shows up at the for the end of intruder as well if i'm not mistaken yeah bruce campbell's in it yep yeah so so th- and that's something that even with even with um uh, and i might be this is just a personal uh, opinion I, I you know I, I might be completely alone on this but even like if you like the original evil dead mm-hmm. um there's one scene where where um character goes down to the bottom of the stairs and the camera does a complete 360 and then comes back to that character it takes you out of the movie ever so slightly you know when when you see something just so very sort of obvious as that you know where it sort of calls it calls itself to the to the filmmaking process and that's what the shot with the phone did for me. I don't think I was even bothered by like the mopping of the floor or even the, the the um, the shopping cart. But for some reason, the the camera looking up out of the phone 
I get it. It's almost like, hey, hey, look what we can do here. And that again, that's a very personal thing. And it doesn't right. ruin the movie. It doesn't doesn't ruin the movie. It's just a momentary thing. Um, but it, other than that, this is this is yeah. I mean, this this is just a a, a very wild film. And and I don't know how to distinguish. Maybe um you or Greg Amortis or will know or Wolfman Josh for that matter. But um I know there are at least two different versions, right? But the crowning kill in this movie is a a table saw scene, right? That, that's that's yeah. mind blowingly good. But it's not in. My understanding is that there are versions that that's not in because it's. But is that is that incorrect? Because or is it in every no, version I, I, you guys have seen? You know what? I'd have to let me look it up real quick right here. I've it's in the version I've seen, but I've I've seen the you know the uncut. Um, yeah, there is the movie. Yeah, there's an edited version where they did take out some scenes. I can't remember. There's a X amount of minutes that are out of one of the versions, and that is one of the scenes. Yes, that's a shame. Yeah, because you got to have that. So, listeners, if you're tracking down Intruder. You gotta have it, and and guys, I'm sorry to talk so much on on your review, Doc. But I gotta say one last thing about it is this movie. Not at all. No, go for it. <clears throat> one thing that I I think that this is gonna sound really weird and like I'm making this up on the spot, but I think I'm on record saying it before, so <laughs> people will believe me. If there's a honestly, if there's a horror movie that I could throw on in the background, like the ultimate horror movie that I could just put on in the background, not really pay attention, but just have it and kind of like revisit it or, you know, have it on while I'm doing something else. I think this is my all time favorite one for that purpose. And I think the reason for that is because of the, I actually worked at a grocery store (laughs) when I, it was my first job like from from age 15 to 17 for two years I worked at a grocery store and it's very nostalgic to me and especially like this still even though it was like 1989 it still captures the flavor of the decade for me so I love the nostalgia factor and that it's set in a grocery store and they use the grocery store implements man I just I love that aspect is is it you know Academy Award filmmaking is it a masterpiece no but it sure is special to me. I'm with you there too. I mean, I mm-hmm. currently work in a supermarket environment, and uh, especially something like the cardboard baler, where mm-hmm. you, you just <laughs> you, you just see how that could really do some damage <laughs> to, yes. uh, if if misused. <laughs> right. Um, and and this movie goes like I said, it it pulls all of these things that you would find in a grocery store in, and uh, really uses them. Uh, very well and very, very, very creatively. Dave, say, mm-hmm. do me a favor and say uh-huh. in, a, in your best scolding voice, please don't misuse the bailer. <laughs> please don't misuse the bailer. <laughs> that's gold. I'm going to use that. Watch. Okay, go All ahead. Right. Sorry. I'll stop distracting people. No, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much wrapped up now anyway. Okay. Well, thank you, Doc. So what do you rate Intruder from 1989? I'd go with an eight. And I say pick this up. There is a Blu-ray out there that is an uncut version. Um, is it Synapse? I can't remember who released it. Um, so I want to say it was it was Synapse, but I might be wrong about that. But um, definitely track it down and get the unrated version. But yeah, it's an eight, and I say it's a buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Greg and Mortis, what about you, buddy? Oh yeah, that's a definite purchase. Yeah. 
one of the best slasher films of the 80s, bar none, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'll back you on that. Do you have a number on that rating for that one? Uh, it seems like I've rated it before, but I don't remember what it was. But this is almost a 10 for me. This is like a 995, man. This is just, it, it doesn't get old to me. Well, I have to confess. I mean, we, we reviewed this actually back on episode 10 of the weekly horror movie podcast. And um, looking back at my, ra- I don't know why my rating was so low. I think um, it was one of those The Conjuring um, episodes mm-hmm. where I was fighting with people. I was, I was right, arguing right. a lot. Like, I, I remember... Uh, <laughs> It was like Tara Tovey and I fighting Dr. Shock and Bill Shetty and Midnight Corey over something. But I had a 6.5 and a <laughs> rental on it, but that just doesn't make sense to me. And I remember you guys gave me a hard time, but we were fighting about something and maybe I got my heels dug in on something. So. No, I've, I've done the same thing. I've come in high on movies that way too high back in those days when, when the uh, <laughs> we'd be arguing back and forth and I'd come in and yeah. with a with a nine on a movie that might be a 6.5 or still a seven at best. Because <laughs> you have to defend your darlings, right? Or you have uh, to abs- like balance abs- people out. You always def- defend your opinions and, and sometimes even, even if your opinions are wrong, damn it, you're going to defend them. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I need to revisit it for a rating um, pretty soon. But anyways, okay. Wolfman, Josh, have you seen Intruder lately? Never seen it, buddy. I, uh, it's been on my list because you mention it so often. But <laughs> Sorry. It just does. No, no, no. I mean, it's just not been one that uh, the concept really has grabbed me. But, you know, uh, it's on the list. <laughs> I'll tell you it's something else that I just I had forgotten about. Just want to mention it real quick. There's a little scene at the beginning of this movie with an old man. And it <laughs> struck me as I first watched this movie is very bizarre because it's just this old man who's sort of rambling to himself. And you're like, who is this old guy? And it's a very quick scene, maybe 15, 20 seconds or something. And as he's walking out, he passes a couple and he says, hold hands, you lovebirds. And it hit me immediately. That's the guy from the Three Stooges short. I want to say it's the Brideless Groom, <laughs> which is the one that's out there. That Hold hands, you love birds. Exactly. He was, he was the <laughs> justice of the peace in that one. And, and he keeps trying to marry these two off. And all these women are fighting because they found out Shemp's going to inherit this money. And that was him. Emil, Emil Sitka, who later on became one of the Three Stooges, I guess, when they were um after all of the television and and movies you know when they were still sort of touring around um he actually joined the three stooges uh for a brief period there uh but yeah i I was like wow that's him and he plays mr abernathy in this i don't even know if you ever hear the guy's name maybe you do but uh that one i was just kind of like wow and that's towards the beginning of the movie and that's why the store is still open before they even closed uh to you know change all the prices and everything I, by the way, I have I have seen a lot of parts of this movie. I just have not sat down and watched it all the way through. I should clarify in case anyone is. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. I think you'd like it, actually. Did you get that sense from the parts you saw? I, I don't know what it was. That I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I have. I don't know what the reason is I haven't gotten around to it. But ever since I've been doing this podcast with you, I keep reminding myself I need to rewatch that. I need to rewatch that. But, yeah. Or, or watch it. I need to sit down and watch it, but I just haven't yeah. done it. Okay. Well, one of these days we should talk about, not tonight, but one of these days we should talk about watching um, films with the right mindset. And I, I think sometimes you and I, Josh, at least like when we watch a film, we might watch it with our, um, I don't know how to even say it, 
the artistic mind rather than the <laughs> yeah like a critical eye basically yeah yeah and and like you know some things are just genre genre fun right so anyways 1989 i'll run down through the list um of the other films las vegas bloodbath and there are actually a lot of film premises around this which is when a man discovers his wife is having an affair he goes on a bloody rampage across the city of las vegas now that's that's intriguing to me but that whole premise actually comes up a lot in horror probably because it's you know a real life thing and then we got uh on our our friend captain crackers list he had clown house on there (laughs) which is pretty freaky um another clown movie is out of the dark and then there's a movie called parents which sounds interesting from 1989 you should look that up and then allison with a y mentioned cutting class which is a slasher with brad pitt in it actually yep and allison also mentioned death spa and then you got um of course halloween 5 the revenge of michael myers and then you have um and and i think halloween 5 didn't we have a discussion about how that was released so late in the year i thought it might actually be technically the last slasher release of 1989 but then some some listener found something even more really obscure and told us there was one later than that but i that's an interesting trivia if anybody knows it. I forget mm-hmm. the answer. Yeah, the very last slasher released in the 80s. That would be interesting to find out. Yeah, this Definitely. one's pretty close to it, though. Anyway, there's one called Elves. There's a questionable one called Fatal Image. There's one with a sci-fi movie backdrop. Like, they're making a sci-fi film. Kind of what Josh was talking about with the cheerleader thing. It's called Freeway Maniac looking it up (laughs) yeah yeah freeway maniac after escaping from a mental hospital a maniac stalks a b-movie starlet onto the set of a sci-fi epic and starts killing off the cast and crew maybe that's a movie for that we could review with the sci-fi podcast people and then Uh, that poster does not look like (laughs) that was be a movie that'd be interested in but (laughs) but but then there's another one of a similar nature which is a zombie movie backdrop where they're making a zombie movie and killings happen on that set and it's just called massacre nice and then you got one called hell high which sounds very interesting actually so people look that up hitcher in the dark um that actually sounds pretty good too moonstalker i don't love that title but and then a movie called night visitor which has a real um rear window type of premise kind of fright nightish a little bit and then of course you got a nightmare on elm street 5 the dream child and then you got phantom of the mall eric's revenge <laughs> and, then, and then you got something that sounds like a maniac cop ripoff it's called psycho cop and then you got puppet master of course whose tagline is this is not child's play <laughs> and then you I got <laughs> that's pretty cool. I know Greg Amortis <laughs> appreciates Puppet Master, don't you, Greg? Um, full Moon all the way. So yeah, Blade <laughs> and Tunnel and Pinhead, all of them are freaking amazing. I know, I know. I love that about you. And then there's a uh, Return of the Family Man, and then you have Silent Night, Deadly Night Three. You better watch <laughs> out. And man, <laughs> I have more to say about that here as we get up to our Christmas episode. So I'll save it. 
and then we got Slash Dance, and then we have Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. And, uh, and then Teenage you, Wasteland. <laughs> and then you have the, <laughs> the Stepfather 2. And that, my friends, wraps up 1989. Obviously, as we say every episode, these are not completely exhaustive, totally inclusive of everything. I'm sure there are things we missed, so please let us know in the show notes. But um, now Can I say we- one thing about Massacre 1989 that you mentioned? Yeah, say it. The IMDb description says, A red-gloved maniac sporting gaudy Miami Vice-style mirrored shades. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which sounds amazing. <laughs> yes. Just a Miami Vice-inspired killer. With the red <laughs> I love, love it. it. And he... he uh, Begins with the murder of a hitchhiking prostitute and continues yeah. on to the film set of Dirty Blood, a low-budget zombie flick. Cool. That's, right. That's a Lucio Fulci Presents movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh. Okay, guys, let's bring this puppy in for a landing because we got some East Coasters that need to get ready for Turkey Day. So here's oh. what we're going to do. I, I mentioned in the email that... To say, because we're not going to be talking about the descriptions or our feelings about them, we're just kind of read off a list. I mentioned we we're going to do a top five, but do you guys just want to do a top ten? What do you want to do? Top ten, uh, top ten, eighty slasher, eighty slashers. Have a, I have I a top have a, five with five honorable mentions. Five, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. what, how about this? Whatever you want to do, I'll start it off. Whatever you want to do, you just do it, and I'll I'll kind of lead the way. Here's how we'll do it. Here are my top guilty pleasures of the eighties: Mountaintop Motel Massacre. The Nail Gun Massacre, my honorable mentions, Friday the 13th Part 2, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, The Burning, Madman, Curtains, Don't Answer the Phone, and The Mutilator. And then top 10, 80s, going backwards. Um, I, I recently had to redo these. Okay, so I'm putting that out there. I know. It changes a lot. Number 10, Psycho 2. 9, Halloween 2. Eight, Friday the 13th, part three, seven, Motel Hell, six, Intruder, five, My Bloody Valentine, four, Pieces, three, Maniac, apparently AKA Blood Rage, (laughs) and two, The Prowler, and my number one, because it's the pinnacle for best killer motive ever, Friday the 13th, 1980. Okay, Wolfman Josh, you want to go next? Yeah, I. this is not my definitive 80 slasher list. I have been trying to get more active on Letterboxd, so maybe I'll go ahead and do that soon. But I didn't want it to be super boring because I figured, man, this is going to be all Michael Myers and, and Jason if I do it that way. So I, I excluded the big three from my franchise, uh, the big three franchises from my list. Otherwise, it would have had Friday 13th, 1, 4, 6, 8, Halloween 2, 4, etc. So uh, my honorable mentions are Curtains, The Burning, House on Sorority Row, Sleepaway Camp, and Prom Night. My top five are, beginning with five, My Bloody Valentine, four is Stage Fright, three is Maniac, two is Terror Train, and my number one is The Prowler. Mm, nice. And... I've got five films here, or let's see, one, two, three, four, or four at least, that are top of my list that I'm buying right away as soon as we get off the phone call. 
um, that have been on my list because of these episodes and hearing the reviews. These are actually all Greg's movies <laughs> as I look at it. <laughs> but uh, The Mutilator, Blood Rage, Girls Night Out, and Nightmare Beach are all on my immediate buy list. Oh, nice. let me add the let me add Intruder to that, Jay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That sounds great. And what about you, Greg and Mortis? Let's hear this list. See, my list is is deceiving too, man, because I it changes, fluctuates a lot. Right. I'm going by a list of what I watch the most of. Okay. So my list is a little bit different than maybe your guys, and I'm thought of a lot like what you said, Wolfman, because honestly, Halloween two, four, five, three, two, three, four, and five would all be up in my top. Friday thirteenth, yeah. obviously one, two, three, four, six. So mine are kind of deceiving too. But to break it down. And these are tough, but this is by watchability. The ones that I have watched the most that I watch over and over and over. Uh, number one, I'm going in reverse order from everybody. My number one would be Motel Hell, obviously, because I watch it more than any of them. Uh, the Burning would be number two. Prowler would be number three. My Bloody Valentine would be number four. Uh, Maniac would be number five. Six would be Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, seven would be prom, uh, prom night. Eight would be pieces. Nine would be, uh, this one was a tough one, man. And that would be terror train. And then 10 would be intruder. And there again, I'm not throwing in my Halloween's Friday 13th. either wolf man, just because it's obvious. <laughs> Those are my right. top. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my list with, of course, Madman being in that lump I, I love slumber party massacre would have been in that lump so a lot of different ones so like i said mine's kind of deceiving but i went by the ones i watched the most over and over and over so there you go not nice. that they're the greatest movies but the ones that i continually watch over excellent nice. i loved it thank you and i'm impressed you two by the way the way you the guys set aside the franchise ones to make it more interesting mm -hmm. thank you thank you for the entertainment value Okay, what about what about you, Doctor Shock? What's your list? Okay, well, mine I did not set aside the franchises in my <laughs> list. Uh, but I'll give you my uh, my honorable mentions: uh, Sleepaway Camp, Pieces, Just Before Dawn, uh, Halloween Ooh. Four, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, um, and uh, just just uh, just for you, Jay, I'm going to put the Door in the Drip Blood in there. Oh, what's wrong uh, with you? As, as one of my, uh, <laughs> one, of, one of my honorable mentions. But as far as the top 10, it's counting down from 10 to 1. Uh, Maniac Cop, The Burning, Psycho 2, Maniac, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter. Uh, now we're getting into the top five, Halloween 2, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I did have that in here. The Prowler, Friday the 13th, The Original, and my favorite 80s slasher, My Bloody Valentine. Nice. Yes. Excellent. Nice. Well done. So there you have it, listeners. Make sure you put your lists in the show notes for this episode. Now, I believe, guys, that we were asked about modern slashers and all that. But here's the thing. That's a future-themed episode, right? So we're There's gonna, a lot of them. I, I was going through that. I wasn't even exhaustive, and I was coming up with, uh, I, I think I got like 14 or 15 titles, and that's not even, I, I, there's still plenty more that I know I didn't even hit on. Yeah, so we can we can do that here in the future, but we will so to save that it. Listener, thank you for your question. Keep listening to Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we will get to that <laughs> eventually. We sure will. And 
the other question we got, Wolfman Josh, was they wanted to have our favorite slasher kill. Now, does this have to be from the 80s or could it be all time favorite slasher kill? I think it's got to be 80s if we're going to stick with our theme. Otherwise, I have to go with Michael Myers pinning someone to the wall in 1979 <laughs> or whatever. So. Yeah. yeah, and I'd have to go with the, the sledgehammer to the head, the first kill in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course. Keep it 80s. Let's keep it 80s. All right, all right, all right. So, uh, Greg Amortis, you start us off. What is your favorite 80s slasher kill? God, dude, all of them. No, I think out of all of them would have to be Friday 13th Part 3 with the handstand <laughs> and the machete <laughs> through the nuts. That, that oh, There's so many, rough. but that one is so memorable with the way the camera was up under and it falls. And oh, my God, dude. And it's not even really that gory. It's just the thud and the whole aspect of that. So, mm-hmm. And there's a billion kills, but that one's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go next. For me, it's got to be the Prowler, the uh, <laughs> the bayonet blade down through yes. the top of the head, out mm. the chin. That uh, is insane. It looks yeah. <laughs> it looks totally real, like like they did that to somebody and filmed it. It's, yes. it's crazy. So props to Tom Savini. Best kill of the '80s for me. What do you say, Doctor Shock? I keep going back to the 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 raft scene from the burning. Oh yeah, where oh. you just get a whole group of people at once. You know, it's sort of uh, Tom Savini doing what Tom Savini does best, <laughs> on, on or with multiple victims. But there's a there's one also another one in that film where this this bully sort of uh, gets his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. That that's memorable. But I I think the raft scene from the burning would probably be my number one as far as the 80s go. Yes. Okay, and Wolfman Josh, bring us home. Well, just to keep Tom Savini in the conversation here, because he hasn't gotten enough credit, I don't think, during our (laughs) (laughs) coverage. Uh, Just It's it's more of a nostalgia factor, but that Kevin Bacon arrow heads through the throat in Friday the 13th is just... It's brilliant. I mean, it's it's so good. Dude, that could be my favorite. You think you get an arrow through the throat. I mean, it looks that good. That is, man, now you're making me reconsider. Me too, because the way the blood filled up on his throat. Oh, God, that is such an amazing kill. (laughs) Mind-blowing. Okay, well, that's good. The neck doesn't look totally real, let's be honest. But it still is cool. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Okay. It. Well, that was a great question. Thanks for asking that. And uh, so at this point, what we're gonna do is uh, send off our buddies here to get ready for Turkey Day. And so, Greg Amortis, I can't tell you how grateful we are that you have spent yes. so many hours on our podcast being a special guest. That's a a huge sacrifice. I can't say that enough. I mean, I really want to emphasize yeah. what you've done is remarkable, and you were very patient especially with me, because I'm actually kind of irritating to record with sometimes. So thank you for being here. And we let the listeners know where they can catch up with you. Absolutely. It's been an absolute joy, pleasure, blast for sure. You're not annoying, brother. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) So honestly, Wolfman, Doc, Jay, man, you guys rock. I'll come on any time. It has not been any problem on my end. So thank you. Uh, You can definitely follow me. Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Gmail. You can always email me at Greg Amortis, G-R-E-G-A-M-O-R-T-I-S-666 at gmail.com. Uh, so shoot me an email if you'd like. You can also follow us over at landofthecreeps.blogspot.com. Uh, we are now weekly. 
so each week on every Tuesday morning at 12.05 a.m., you will get a new episode. I do have a few little things fixing to come up in the very near future that I think you will be excited about that I'm keeping in wraps right now, but stay tuned for that. So once again, Wolfman, love you, brother. Jay, of course, love you. And Doc, you know I love you, buddy. My other cool. podcast guy. So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Greg. You're the best, man. Yes, Absolutely. Sir. Thank you for coming on. You did a great job. Yes, Incredible. Jeez. <laughs> it's a huge it is it's a huge amount of time and effort that you've gifted to us and to our listeners so thanks so much yeah you're welcome it, it's like uh, over 12 hours that he spent like yeah. it's all good hey it was all worth his <laughs> red cap yeah that's right <laughs> red cap i don't know who you are man i love you dude <laughs> i love it okay what about you dr shock what are your plugs where can uh, listeners catch up with you over uh, of course at dvdinfatuation.com I've had a rough month in November. I've actually missed a couple days, and that was all work-related. Gearing up for the Thanksgiving holiday, I had to pull a couple double shifts at work, which made watching and writing impossible. But I'm back on track now and and continuing on towards 2,500, which I will reach this coming uh, 2017. You can follow me at DVD Infatuation over on Twitter. I do have a Facebook page as well. And you can hear me on Land of the Creeps with uh, Greg Amortis and, and Jesse Robbins and um, Haddonfield Hatchet, I hear, is coming back. And uh, Dr. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah, and Dr. Dirty, yep, absolutely. <laughs> Got a whole bunch over there. And Chantel right? Fetchin once in a while. Every now and again, right? I haven't actually podcasted with her yet, I don't believe. But hopefully. Well, you have on our show. <laughs> yes, I have. You're right. She called in one time, so I have here. Not over she, on Land of the Creeps yet. She's though. awesome. Yes. Yeah, I love her. I love her. I'll tell her that daily. <laughs> Okay, and at this point in Horror Movie Podcast, we need an update for our Slasher Madness poll, sponsored by Kagan Breitenbach. We really appreciate Kagan, of course, for all the work he does. He is a tremendous help to the Horror Movie Podcast community. Kagan writes in, the results of the semifinals. So, Friday the 13th Part 4 was stacked up against Friday the 13th, the original, and of course, of course... Of course, what? Of course, what? The original one. Oh, okay. It's the ultimate. Insane. It's hard. It's hard. I'm torn myself. Yeah, but the listeners chose well. And then the next matchup was Friday the 13th, part two versus A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I understand the result. I don't agree with it, but I understand why they chose A Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, fine. And so it's It's a wise choice. Yes, it is. So Kagan says our final showdown for Slasher Madness will be Friday the 13th, the original versus A Nightmare on Elm Street. The original. This is insane. The original versus the original. Now, Freddy versus Jason. No, Jason's not in it. Oh, the Freddy wins. (gasps) No, incorrect. I'll tell you what's interesting. If you looked at the voting percentages, from the previous two matchups that I just read, Friday the 13th, the original, had 56%. Whereas A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, had 58%. And so what I'm telling the Friday the 13th fans out there, now is not the time to be lazy about this voting you got to get in there and vote. <laughs> don't say you don't want to vote and then protest about it later. Guys. <laughs> you, the time to take action is in the voting booth. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of how much or how little we get Jason in the original film, what you are really talking about here is 
Freddy versus Jason. Now, come on. Come on, people. Even if you don't like the choices, I'm with you. I think it should have been Michael Myers. But what I'm telling you is <laughs> you it's a, still important that you vote for the better of these two movies. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Now, and we, we've admitted, you know, we all know A Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a great concept, everybody. Great concept. I'm not dissing the Freddy fans. Just saying it's pretty plain, pretty simple. And so voting is going to open right as soon as this episode's released. So if you're listening to this, you can go vote right now. It'll be linked in the show notes for this episode. And Josh, you better believe I'm going to vote. All right. And it is finally here. As promised, Wolfman Josh, we are finally going to do all of these awards and contests and prizes. We've got a whole list of craziness to give away here. And I tell you what, I think we've remembered all the contests we've been sponsoring But if for some chance, like if we forget something, just let us know, listeners. But uh, at this point, let's go into the uh, Dead Serious Horror Challenge, Josh. Okay, so this was started with Jay kind of just talking about watching scary movies in scary places. And that's something I had done when I watched The Blair Witch Project. I watched it in the woods. And so uh, some of our listeners got excited about that. I think Sal watched a movie in his basement. And Jody was talking about watching a movie in the woods behind his house. And something about Jody's post sparked this idea of mine that I thought, man, this could be the first really viral thing we do as a podcast. If we could get the Dead Serious Horror Challenge going, this might be something that horror fans all over the world would want to (laughs) do. Watch scary movies in scary places. And so we created this ingenious contest where people would videotape themselves in the scary place with the scary movie Tell us what movie they were watching. Film, you know, just a couple seconds of it. Mm-hmm. They had to be honest. It was based on an honor system. Yeah. And then we would draw winners from those. And we there's a blog post that explains in detail all of the gritty details of the rules to the Dead Serious Horror Challenge from July 1st, 2016. And I will post a link to that in these show notes for this show so that people can backtrack and find those. We only got four official entries, Jay. <laughs> four. <laughs> but four incredible entries. All of them were good. And what I want to say is what we decided is because they were so few, but because it's still such an awesome idea, because so many people said they were going to do it who never sent in their entry. Shani Dreadful, I'm talking to you. Dino and Juan, I'm talking to you. Called out. Brunette, I'm talking to you. Come on, All Jeff. of these people telling me they're going to do their dead serious horror challenge. And then it never comes out. I mean, I, if anyone did, please let me know if I missed it. I'm checking the hashtag on Twitter. It had to be hashtag dead serious horror. I looked on Twitter. I looked on Facebook. I looked on Instagram. I found four entries. They're all strong. Okay. But what we decided to do is rather than do a drawing for the prizes that we were going to give away for those entries, instead, we are just going to give all of these entry people one of the prizes of their choice. That's okay? right. So these lucky HMP listeners, these awesome HMP listeners, let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> the aforementioned Red Cap Jack. Totally oh. a butthead. <laughs> but we love the guy. And earlier this summer, he and his wife took a drive to Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk <laughs> and they sat on the sand and they watched The Lost Boys, where it was filmed in Santa Cruz. <laughs> Send us the video. It's on Twitter. People can check it out. Hashtag Dead Serious Horror, Red Cap Jack. You get a prize. Incredible. Well done. Allison with an I. Her entry 
for the Dead Serious Horror Challenge featured her and her daughter reenacting a scene from Halloween 1978 <laughs> in their neighborhood in kind of a spooky street horror in the daylight, Jay. Oh, love it. And it's, it's the scene where the girls first encounter Michael on the sidewalk. Allison did an amazing job. I mean, she like shot and edited a little video. It's super good. It's fun to watch. <laughs> daughter's cute. And then Allison kicked back and watched Halloween in her living room with a jack-o'-lantern flashing the entire time. Oh, that's serious. I love it. Allison, you get a prize. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Kagan Breitenbach, the guy who is organizing this entire slasher madness, is hardcore. He went out to the woods. Okay. <laughs> Kagan. Near Salt Lake City, he hiked with his dog. He was a little scared. <laughs> so he took a dog just before sundown, hiked alone with a dog into the woods outside of Salt Lake City, <laughs> sat with his back to a giant gnarly tree with his laptop and prepared to watch a film. Now, I'm, I don't have the video right in front of me at the moment, but basically what Kagan did is I think he was planning on watching like Friday the 13th, but then something went wrong with his video player. But luckily he happened to have another video on his laptop. And I think he ended up watching Halloween or something like that. I'm, I'm scanning through the video right now. Here's the thing. It yeah. would be scary watching Sesame Street in that situation. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like no matter what. Wow. So yeah, so Kagan, he has some technical difficulties and he ends up watching Halloween in the woods in the freaking dark. That, and he's like a hike from his truck. Like he's a hike from the car. That might be the scariest one yet. I mean, we have bears around here. Yeah. And cougars. And I mean, that's pretty freaky. Now I'm going to give a little bit of a break. One of our entries, he did not follow the official rules to a T, but he's going to get a break here because he did something above and beyond what I think anyone else would consider consider it is dead box mike mm -hmm. who while his wife was in the hospital giving birth to their baby <laughs> they watched hell baby in the hospital and yes. they filmed it and they sent it to us in a private message he did not necessarily want that footage out on the internet for everyone to see right so that is a technically a violation of our rules for this contest <laughs> but i yeah, look your baby is you know your right. child is in it it's a newborn. If there is anyone who has a problem with dead box, Mike receiving this award, just unsubscribe to the podcast. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you uh -oh. can contact us and we'll discuss it. But you know, I, I think dead box, Mike absolutely deserves this. And he sent us this beautiful shot of his baby, a uh, little video of his baby lying in the hospital and them, him and his wife watching the movie both before and after giving birth. That is amazing. That, that one, that one would be hard to top in terms of just how unique it is. Uh, I'm very impressed. But all of these are so cool. Uh, I yes. Mean, so to be like the Oprah of horror movie podcast, Red Cap Jack, you get a prize. You get a prize and you get a prize and you get a prize. So what we have here is um, <laughs> what we had told people previously is that anyone who entered would be entered in a drawing for one of the following HMP highly recommended movies. So these are movies that we just fawned over. Bone Tomahawk, The Final Girls, Green Room, it follows the visit. We are still here, or the witch. Oh man! Kagan, Deadbox, Mike, Allison, and Redcap Jack. All four of you can take your choice of one of those films on any format you wish: DVD, Blu-ray, digital download, whatever you want. Let us know. We will get that to you. Or you can choose 
from one of the previous given away t-shirts that we've done in our Friday the 13th franchise review and our Scream franchise review. And you can get yourself a Camp Crystal Lake t-shirt or a Stab t-shirt. So those are the six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Those are the eight possible prizes <laughs> that all four of you can choose from. We are going to continue this contest, in my mind, forever. I think this is just something we should always do. Mm. Guys, help us get this going viral. This is cool. I think this is something that's unique to our community right now. I appreciate the four of you who took part in it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I, let's get this going. I'm going to do my part and post some videos so that we can put my money where my mouth is. Well, uh, yeah, I'd like to do it too. I just don't have any video capabilities, but I know a documentary filmmaker who might be able to help me. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a great video. Shoot it on your phone. Shoot it on, you know, I the cheapest a, camera you can find. I have a dumb phone. Shoot it on your laptop camera, whatever it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, it can be anything. Just shoot, just get some video going and let us know so we really know you're in the scary place. And it doesn't have to be in the woods and it doesn't have to be as elaborate as having a child and you don't have to go to the location <laughs> where the movie took place. If you can, that would be awesome. And don't do anything good? dangerous, right, Josh? I mean, that's yeah. the big thing. Don't do anything please, dangerous. Please read the rules in full before you do your challenge. That's important. We are not accepting anything where you put yourself or others in danger. It's not okay. All right. Right. Weirdos. Anyway, thank you to our participants in the Dead Serious Horror Challenge. It's been real. You guys are amazing. We love all of you, and I hope you enjoy your prizes. Bravo. Your well-deserved, well-earned prizes. Well done. Okay, and our next prize is something that I've been really excited about because, you know, I've had this uh, Green Room Blu-ray in my possession waiting to give out for quite some time, and honestly, I still got to say it. If people have not seen Green Room yet... Oh my goodness. Um, now, the horror fans out there, you might not think of it as a traditional horror movie, but listen to our review of it and see what you think. So anyway, the contest was we have an At Your Mercy library picks episode coming up, which is basically I'm kind of fascinated by going to a library and seeing which horror movies are there just randomly and weirdly, you know. And so what I wanted people to do was to go out to their local library, wherever you are in the world and see what random horror movies there are, maybe send pictures and so forth, and send in some recommendations that we can choose from to review on the show. Now, we, we did get a few entries here, and I selected a name out of a hat randomly. <laughs> and you know who wins? Joshua? Is it Jody Horror Guy? No, but I love oh. Jody. You know I love Jody. But it's actually... <laughs> Shanny Dreadful. <laughs> no, but uh, oh. who doesn't love Shanny, right? Everybody. Shanny. That's right. But it's actually Allison with a Y. Allison with a Y. <laughs> That's right. So Allison and Drew went to their local branch of the Multnomah County Library, which is in Portland, Oregon. And uh, they took some great pictures for us. And they went to work on this challenge. And I tell you what, Allison, you have earned it. So please... I probably have your mailing address somewhere, but just to help me out, if you don't mind, just email it to me at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And Allison, I will get that Blu-ray sent out to you right away. So I've got a quick one. This is a kind of a goofy one, but it's another thing from a movie streamcast giveaway. Movie streamcast? That's one of my favorite movie podcasts on the <laughs> network. Do people know what that is? Honestly, I'm being serious right now. Movie streamcast 
is amazing. It helps you manage your cues. If things are streaming on Netflix, not just horror, but all genres, our friend here, Josh Legary, reviews it. That's me. And you do short reviews. It's none of this like four hours stuff. You do yeah, like I mean, 10 yeah. to 20 the minutes. The idea is to just like pop them out, have a quick short review so you know it's streaming online. Listen, the shows end up being about an hour long. They're literally, when I started, I was like, There's, I'm not having an episode over 15 minutes. I'm shooting for 12 <laughs> minutes. That lasted about four or five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So there's, they're a little bit longer, but I try my best to keep them short because to me, that's the whole idea. Short reviews of streaming content. Right. Well, but I don't really deserve that plug because this is yet again, just a horror thing. I tried to give my wife to wear that she would absolutely not have any part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so these are just, they're cheap, but they're rad. If I wore earrings, I honestly, I have no problem with this as a man comfortable in my heterosexuality. I would wear these dangly skeleton hand earrings. They're so cool, man. I can't tell you enough how awesome these are. And I'm not doing this out of any preference to people's gender orientation, but just to make sure that 100% the person who receives these would possibly be able to wear them. I'm going to go to our Instagram and flip through until I see a female listener and then she gets these earrings. Okay. Fair enough. Hopefully she has her ears pierced. If not, give them to a man in your life. So here we go. I'm going to flip through our Instagram followers who we follow back until I see someone that has a female face and boom, monstrous. Monstrous. On Instagram. Yeah. I don't see any other name here, but her name is Monstress. M-O-N-S-T-R-E-S-S-S. You know who you are. Message us on Instagram. Oh, she is an incredible artist, actually. If people want to check her out on Instagram, she does awesome paintings and like little um, set pieces. And she dressed herself up as Reagan from The Exorcist. <laughs> it is terrifying. And she is a gorgeous lady, by the way. Like, if you look at what she actually looks like, she's beautiful mm-hmm. in the Reagan makeup. I have never been so disgusted or terrified of someone in my entire life. Wow. Like there's a picture of her here with her husband, I think it is. And I don't know how we can even stand to look at her. If I was next to her, I, I wouldn't be next to her. I would be running in the other direction. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> anyway, yeah, monstrous uh, message us and uh, we will send you these awesome, cheap Halloween earrings that I wish I was a pirate and I could rock. <laughs> I have a really brief giveaway to talk about. We did the IB Trav Lost Mysteries pin giveaway where we did the spooky shape of Haddonfield pins. It's basically horror icons within the Scooby-Doo universe. And uh, the first pin that he did was Michael Myers. And then the second one he did is is Freddy Krueger. That's actually for sale right now and you can get a 20% discount. If you check out IB Trav's Twitter, I'd recommend that. He's a friend of the show. Cool guy. We gave away two pins and two stickers, but it turned out because our listeners have these awesome horrorized nicknames that we accidentally gave out a pin <laughs> and a sticker to the same guy under two different names. <laughs> uh, one right. for his review on iTunes and one for his post on Facebook. So I believe it was Jonathan. He said it's okay to give away the sticker to somebody else. Uh, we drew the name and it was for Dustin, our buddy who does the Horror Corridor podcast. Dustin, you still, as I, as far as I know, not contacted us with your mailing address to send you this IB Trav Shape of Haddonfield sticker. So get us that and we will send that out to you ASAP. Okay. So 
We have a really cool sponsored giveaway that I'm excited to tell you guys all about. This is from Cryptocorium.com. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O-C-U-R-I-U-M.com. And what this guy does is he sculpts these amazing like horror collectibles, artifacts, shrine idols, magnets, props, ornaments and then he casts them in solid resin and paints them and they're really cool and (laughs) yeah he does this thing called the parcel of terror it's a subscription box and there are a lot of those in the horror world but his are so unique and so amazing if you're a horror collector you're going to be blown away by this guy's stuff a lot of it is like hp lovecraft based there's a lot of really cool cthulhu artifacts and sculptures there's really cool slasher stuff, Necronomicon, <laughs> and even like a Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man stuff, right? So what he's All given the classics. Us to- All the classics, yeah. Josh. See, when I hear about people that are this talented, like when I see, you know, Adam's artwork and Justin's artwork and just all these incredible things that people send in and like I be Trav and this, it makes me it's think, uh, it's like... Uh, Bonnie. Yeah, Bonnie. It's like, man... I'm just a loser podcaster. That's all I do. <laughs> right? We all contribute our piece. Okay, right? right. So Cryptocorium, he's giving us four awesome slasher Christmas ornaments to give away. <laughs> These are hand sculpted, right? The original sculptures. And then he did this resin, you know, pour in basically hand painted both in the colors red and green. And he's given us four red slasher ornaments to give away a full set. We're going to give them away, though, individually to other people. So they may want to go back and get the other parts of their set if they want to complete it. But uh, basically what we have here is a Jason Voorhees, a Freddy Krueger, a Leatherface, and a Michael Myers. (laughs) Wow. Handcrafted, sculpted, and painted Christmas ornaments to (laughs) give away. We're going to give away two on this show and two on our special. Christmas special episode. Okay. Okay? Fair enough. And we're going to give these away to random listeners who follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, because you you told them that, right? You told the listeners you should be following us because then you'd be in this drawing. And this is where that comes to fruition. Yep. I'm just going to, I'm literally going to spin the wheel in terms of just, I'm going to swipe and see where it lands. Okay. And we're going to give these away to some lucky listeners. Let's do it. So the first item we will give away is, which two do you want to give away on this episode? We've got Jason, Freddy, Leatherface, and Michael. Okay. Well, let's save Leatherface and Michael Myers. I just want to, yeah, for the Christmas show. I just want to mix it up a little bit. So we'll do Freddy and Jason. All right. Freddy versus Jason, man. We just cannot escape it on this episode. (laughs) It's serious business. So I am going to go to our Twitter feed and find the people who follow us uh, that we also follow. So now this is also tricky because, and this actually is beneficial. If you are a horror movie podcast listener and you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, shout us out so that we know who you are so we can follow you back. Because, you know, of course, like it's social media. We have thousands of people who follow us who I don't even know if they listen to the show. Who knows? And we want to be following back all of our active listeners. That's so, right. so I am going to search through the people who follow us that we also follow back. It means that we've had some kind of interaction. As soon as someone interacts with us, we know that they are a listener and we follow them back so mm-hmm. that we can be in touch with our, our people. Right. That's right. Okay. So I'm just going to go in here 
Give it a spin. All right, here we go. And the Jason Voorhees red Christmas ornament from Crypticurium goes to Jack Walker, who is at Jack Walker 59 on Twitter. Jack, send us a message on Twitter with your address and we will ship that out to you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And who gets the Freddy Krueger Christmas ornament? So the Freddy Krueger one, we're going to head over to Instagram. Same setup. I'm going to go to the people who follow us that we follow back. These are our listeners who have been in touch with us. And Freddy Krueger goes to Durant's Nose. I'm not sure if what his name is. I have seen his posts actually on Instagram before. He's always posting what he's watched recently. Just the things we've talked about tonight. Maniac, you know, uh, mm-hmm. some great stuff in your wind chill. Thanks, Killing. So, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Killing. Durant's nose. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. You know who you are. Uh, your description in your Instagram page is this is how I rot. So, if that's you, message us on Instagram. You have won a Freddy Krueger red Crypticurium Christmas ornament. We were to ship that out to you. Congratulations. That's great. And the final two Crypticurium giveaway Christmas ornaments will be given away on our Christmas episode. So if you want to be included in those drawings, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know you're following us so we can follow you back and you'll be entered in that drawing. Can't beat it. And then we'll have Leatherface and Michael Myers. That ought to stir up the Halloween fans right there. Because, you know, everybody wants a Michael Myers Christmas (laughs) ornament. Nothing says Christmas like a Michael Myers (laughs) Christmas ornament. Thank you so much to crypticurium.com for hooking us up with those free ornaments to give away to our listeners. These guys are awesome. Make sure to check out their Parcel of Terror. If you just Google Parcel of Terror, it will come up their subscription box. You can check out all the cool things that they put in there or try to figure out how to spell crypticurium and you can find all the awesome things on his site. Seriously, the artifacts, Jay, you should check them out. You will be amazed. They are so cool. Excellent. Well, we'll link it in the show notes. That's absolutely true. Thanks one last time to crypticurium.com. I've got another sponsored giveaway. These are from movie podcast network shows. That's right. There's one from the sci-fi podcast (laughs) and one from movie streamcast (laughs) giveaway. These are two t-shirts, horror t-shirts. Now I know Matroid is subscribed to a horror box type thing. I don't know which exact one it is. A lot of people in our community are subscribed to it because I've seen the hats and shirts flying around. But um, I think it's uh, Horror Block is the one that he subscribed to. And he donated several things that he did not want from his Horror Block (laughs) for us to give away on the show. One of those is a men's size large Psycho t-shirt, which is totally cool. It's of the Psycho house. It's a black t-shirt silhouette of the moon and the lights of the house in white psycho t-shirt the other one makes it hard to get dates though (laughs) when you're wearing that (laughs) the other one is a shirt that i bought for my esteemed co-host rachel a movie streamcast that she didn't want she had the nerve to tell me i'm not wearing this uh this is a stranger things t-shirt size medium in black and have you seen those shirts where they name a bunch of people like it'll be like the cast of friends or survivors or i don't know i don't know how they started it's like almost like a meme t-shirt not really well, sorry i'm not familiar this with is that the, 
this is the characters from Stranger Things. It says Mike and Lucas and Dustin and Eleven and, and then Will is upside down. So for viewers of Stranger Things, you will know why Will's name is actually upside down <laughs> as opposed to the other names. Uh, we are going to give those two away also to random Twitter and Instagram followers. So this time, let's go first to Instagram. So if they're a certain size, right? Okay. The so shirt. if... If the shirt that you get does not fit you, then just contact us then and we will well, figure something else out. Start your own podcast and then you do a giveaway where yeah. you repurpose. And just continue re-gifting these things. <laughs> re-gifting. Okay. Okay, so I'm on Instagram. I'm going to do a little swipe here of the people who follow us and we will give this shirt to... C. Nolan, that's Nolgoon on Instagram. This person is so cool. She's a really good photographer and guitarist. And if you follow her on Instagram, you're going to see a lot of cool little clips of her playing the guitar and some beautiful photography. And she's just won the Stranger Things t-shirt. So Wow, congrats. Nolgoon, message us with your address and we will send this out to you ASAP. I'll head back over to Twitter. We'll see what we got here. <laughs> I'm going to spin the wheel and see what we get. And the psycho t-shirt goes to Multisha Adams. If that is your real name, <laughs> I don't think it is <laughs> at MCE underscore artistry on Twitter. Message us your address and you have won a t-shirt that judging by your photograph is in no way going to fit you, but uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> Maybe you have a person in your life who would wear a size large black t-shirt you'd like to give this to? Yeah. Let us know. Because she's very petite. So Yeah. Okay, we have now three more items from Matroid's horror block mm. we're going to give away. <laughs> Thank you, Matroid. Thank you. Yeah. And then I've got my Storm of the Century DVD. Do you remember I said uh, I was going to give that away on this podcast forever ago? It's got <sighs> Storm of the Century, the Stephen King film, plus like seven other random horror movies. Yes. On the I love Storm of the Century. So this is a, a true gift. Yeah, that's great. And and Jay, I looked into uh, my body double and dressed to kill Blu-rays. You remember I told you I had doubles of those? Yeah. Problem is the dress to kill criterion is not clear about if it has the same special features as the 2011 Blu-ray. And I did not have time to compare to make sure it had all of the same special features. I can't very well give away a Blu-ray that has a one-of-a-kind featurette that is not also included on the criteria. <laughs> yes, sir. That is completely understandable for a cinephile so, like yourself. Yes. Yeah, it will, I promise, eventually get around to watching those. And if, in fact, the special features are doubled up, I will give somebody that Dress to Kill Blu-ray, but not now. <laughs> okay, you got it. So we've got four giveaways. I'm going to go to Instagram, to Twitter for Storm of the Century, then also what Matroid gave us is a triple feature horror disc that has a film called Forget Me Not. Never heard of it. House of Fallen. Nope. And Red Hook. That's a triple feature Blu-ray. <laughs> I bet those are really good movies. <laughs> All horror films. We have for collectors what looks to be a uh, Walking Dead kind of uh, toy. It's It's one of the prison cells from The Walking Dead. It comes with some zombies and uh it's it's for adults who like toys they call those walkers that's correct okay <laughs> just kidding and lastly i believe you were already regifted one of these so i'm sorry to uh 
to out our listeners, but this beautiful horror block hat that is a welcome to Camp Crystal Lake trucker's cap. Oh, I, cool. I love that hat, actually. It's red, and it's got a little Jason Voorhees pin on the side, which is really cool. <laughs> it's super cool. I really love it. I actually like this one. I would try to make my wife, Rachel, wear this, but she wouldn't. Okay, so let's go ahead and go into our Instagram followers here to pick out the next winners. So our Walking Dead with the walkers and some character figurines. It's pretty cool. It's the upper prison cell. AMC Walking Dead collectible goes to Mark at Football Huck on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, Mark. Yes. AKA Football Huck. You've won the Walking Dead model. Well done, Mark. Very cool. Thank you for following us on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. And let's go dip back in to the listeners here. These prize giveaways are even more exciting than our usual content of reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> the welcome to Camp Crystal Lake trucker hat goes to follower Jackie on Instagram. That's at it's Jackie Ruth. So Jackie from it looks like Austin, Texas. Oh, I know who she is. I know her from Twitter, actually. Jackie, that's oh. a great hat. I got it. It's great. She's cool. Message us here, and we will send you the hat. I got that hat um, at the Don't Breathe screening. My friend Cora Jane gave it to me. Shout out to Cora. Salt Lake City. What, what? What's up? <laughs> Okay, heading back over to Twitter, going into our followers. I'm going to give away this DVD. It's Storm of the Century and a bunch of crappy horror films, too. Yes. It's a familiar face, Jay. Mr. Sal Roma. Sal Roma. The face is is actually Daniel Harris in a Halloween mask, but it is very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, she is. Sal, that's awesome. Now, I'm, I'm sure Sal has seen Storm of the Century, but just in case you haven't, Sal, let me just tell you this. If you're going to watch it, wait until it snows a bunch. Does Sal live in a cold weather climate? In he lives wind? in Toledo, Ohio. He's another of our Toledo oh, contingent. Okay. Yes. Toledo strong, man. Perfect. So, Sal, here's what you do. You wait till the snow packs down and and do it like where you're shut in. Like lock yourself in because this is a movie where you got to be snowed in. You got to be snuggled up. Under the blankets, I'm just saying, and watch this thing. It's long. The movie is long, but it's so great for this. And so lastly, we have here this triple feature horror Blu-ray with Forget-Me-Not, House of Fallen, and Red Hook. Some classic horror films, Jay. Yeah, well, obviously. (laughs) Never heard of any of them, but they look pretty. The artwork's nice. From Phase 4 Films, here we go. You know what we should do? This reminds me. Sorry. We should... We should go to Walmart one time and get one of these like four disc, you know, you know, junk sets of just weird random and just do an episode where we review that whole thing. Ooh, sounds brutal. It sounds fun, though, in a way. It does. You know, I've got an extra copy of this from the century disc that I bought. So maybe we can do that. I own it. I got it. So well, I know, but it's got like seven other movies on that disc. I'm with you. I got I got bought that same one. It's at Walmart, oh, right? You did? That's so funny. It's all packaged together, <laughs> brother. It was Storm of the Century. I keep telling you, people, it's Storm of the Century. I love it. I love it. Too. I I own the standalone Storm of the Century disc. So yeah. Okay, here we go. We're gonna give this one away to listener ODB. Okay, old dirty. You're getting this <laughs> one. 
and this is at R Brat Ten on mm-hmm. Twitter <laughs> from Ohio. How many Ohio listeners do we have? Ohio is like the Buckeye State Central, man. It's crazy. Hey, okay. Hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of horror in Ohio. Yeah, I lived so, there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so ODB, message us on Twitter with your address, and we will send you out this excellent triple horror feature. Heck yeah. So thank you once again to the Sci-Fi Podcast for sponsoring that little giveaway um, with their horror block stuff they didn't want. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not all, Josh. We actually still have more prizes to give away. What? It's so hardcore. So this is another. um, These next, these remaining prizes are sponsored as well. And I just want to give a little shout out here for our sponsor, So Justin Wallace is one of our talented local artists. And and by local, I mean, you know, in our community. And Justin, he does Monsters by Design. That's the name of his company. And he's getting his uh, site revamped and everything. Post-production notes. So this just in Justin's website, Monsters by Design, is now ready for visitors. So check out Justin Wallace's work at monstersbydesign.com he's a huge supporter and contributor to this show obviously and to our community so i hope you will all return the favor by checking out justin's website and supporting him at monstersbydesign.com you can actually purchase his artwork through there in the meantime if you want to contact justin you can email him at monstersbydesign@gmail.com. at gmail.com That's Justin Wallace. He has sent us so many things, extremely generous. Like, first of all, let me just say, he has sent, like, the prizes that we're about to give out, Josh. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't admit this on the air, but he wanted to hook us up because he noticed that, like, we share the things that we're given. And so he wanted to make sure that we get things. So he actually sent you, Dr. Shock, and me our own versions of all these things that we're about to give away. What? Oh my gosh, that is so generous. Yes, it's extremely generous and it's tremendous artwork and I'll be describing it here momentarily. If my voice holds out, we've been now doing this for almost four hours or something. So (laughs) sorry, everybody, I'm starting to lose it. So the first thing is I wanted to do a random drawing from among those who attended the horror movie podcast or the movie podcast network meetup. Um, A ton of those people ended up being horror movie podcast listeners. But um, what I did is I put their names in a hat. And um, I do have a Mets hat that I draw from. And I'm going to pick out their name. And these are from among the people who attended. Because we actually had people come from all over. Um, And I was just really impressed, Wolfman Josh, that they made that kind of sacrifice to be there. and, And to see like the worst movie of the year with us, Blair Witch. And, and, you know, I (laughs) just, you know, I think it's, um, amazing that they did that. Now back to Justin Wallace though, real quick, cause, um, I have to get that Blair Witch out of my mind. Um, Justin actually did one other great thing for me. He came up with the horror moniker, like the horrorized nickname, the handle for my son. Because as you know, my I have a boy. He's uh, eight years old, and he actually loves the macabre. He's like a he's a horror guy already, and I've been you know training him up in the ways. And what's really cool is I'm Jay of the Dead, name's Jason, and that's yeah. you know a riff on 
Day of the Dead, you know, zombie movie. And um, so for my son, he thought it would be awesome for him to be Spawn of the Dead. <laughs> Is that not brilliant? It's really good. Spawn of the Dead, as in Shaun of the Dead. So um, Justin, props. That is amazing. Or, I loved it. Or Dawn of the Dead as well. Yeah, D O N, right? That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty funny. And actually, Dawn is my middle name, D O N. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh. that that could be interesting. But anyways, that's a little. Wait, hold sign. on. Let's go back to this. Your middle name is Don. D O N. Not Donald or anything. No, no, no. Yeah, it's short. My uh, grandfather's name was Donnie. Oh, interesting. Yes, Donnie Osmond. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Donnie Stout, in fact. Oh. Okay. But anyway, now everybody has my genealogy. Um, so here we go, guys. <laughs> so the the random drawing. <laughs> it's like it's like almost two a.m. and it is Thanksgiving Day for us now, Wolfman Josh. Yeah. It's so exciting. We're losing our minds. Yeah, it's almost two a.m. We started this at nine p.m. So this tells people how long we've been doing it tonight. So the the first drawing is going to be for. Um, Justin Wallace sent this amazing set of full color postcards of individual portraits of the classic monsters. We have one for Dracula. We have one for Creature from the Black Lagoon. We have the Mummy. We have the Wolfman. It's not you. It's the Wolfman. And then we have uh, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Well, it could be you, I guess. Uh, and then we have Frankenstein's monster and then we have bride of Frankenstein and these are amazing. And so uh, what, what I decided to do, and I hope this is okay with Justin, these are really special and I thought that it would be best to keep them in a set. So we're going to give away these six as one set for a listener. So I'm going to reach in here and, oh, <laughs> okay. And these go to Greg, the gray man from Toledo, Ohio. So you're going to get these postcards courtesy of Justin Wallace, Monsters by Design. Okay, and then the next drawing, what we have here is we actually have these giant posters. And I'm sure that Justin told me the dimensions of these. They're, they're movie, they're movie size, movie house posters. Josh, what is that? Like three foot by two and a half foot or something? I mean, I know you're not here in the same room with me, but anyways, there are three of these. And the one that we're going to award next is going to be, it's a classic monsters poster and it's tremendous. It has all of the aforementioned that I named, the six that I mentioned, as well as the tall man and Count Orlok Nosferatu. And it's tremendous. And so I'm going to get that and that is going to go to another Ohio and it's going to go to Jody from Toledo, Ohio, because Jody attended the meetup as well. Nice, man. So everybody whose name I'm reading, I forgot to say, um, email me at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com with your mailing address, please. And now we have another big poster here, and this is going to be for Halloween poster. This is an amazing ensemble of Halloween-related images and characters. And so here we go. And that is going to Dark Mark, who actually, he flew in to Indiana. He flew in from L.A. And so, Mark, you're going to get the giant Halloween poster courtesy of holy cow, Justin Wallace, Monsters by Design. <laughs> now, Josh, are you saying holy cow because 
we're going on so long or because you're excited? Oh, no, that's, that's <laughs> crazy. That he, he, he flew in from L.A. to hang out with you and watch Blair Witch. Uh, well, it wasn't me. He, he flew in to hang out with Carl and Ryan and and, and all and Ron Martin and all the other listeners. Jeff Hammer. Awesome. And now I think we are ready for the drawing of the evening. And we didn't even tell people this was coming, but we've done this in the past. And this year we really felt like it was necessary. We wanted to award a listener of the year, and that is Horror Movie Podcast Listener of the Year. And Josh, there are so many great listeners, but this one particular listener has done so many things for us this year, for the show specifically, Yeah. that um, let, let's just go down through the list here. He helped organize and run the Slasher Madness Poll. He also did an arrangement of the horror movie podcast theme song by Fred Ingram. And he orchestrated that as well as with some uh, poltergeist score and Halloween score. And with that, which now in conjunction with Mr. Ingram's work is now part of our official music for the podcast. It really is. It's it's gave it to us. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of the kindness of his heart. He also took a trip to Zia Records and took a bunch of pictures and it just made my heart full. My heart just swelled with happiness. I was so excited about that. He participated in the Dead Serious Horror Challenge and he has even met up with me a couple of times now in person to go to movies with me. At one point, he bought me a Coca-Cola and that's the way to my heart. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Heart disease. Yeah, heart disease. That's right. <laughs> and so, of course, the listener of the year of 2016 is none other than Kagan Breitenbach. We thank you, sir. And here's what you win. You win that full-size giant movie poster courtesy of Justin Wallace, Monsters by Design. And it is of Salem's Lot. And I'm going to tell you something right now. This poster, it's my favorite one because it's the scariest. Honest to goodness. I mean, this thing freaks me out. It's late at night. I can't look at it too long because I think Salem's <laughs> Lot's... No, I'm being serious. Salem's Lot's genuinely scary. And Justin nailed this. So, Kagan, you are getting that poster. I'm not mailing it to you. Let's just go to a movie again and I'll give it to you in person. But you deserve it. Listener of the year. Absolutely, man. He's done so much for us. And was this his first year as a listener, actually? Did he just pop up on the scene in the last year as well? Well, as far as I know, I mean, I could be totally misquoting this, but as far as I know, I believe he is just kind of this year. But man, he is hit by storm and he's been amazing. And there have been a lot of listeners who've just hit the ground running as active participants in our community. Jody, who you just gave a poster to, is one of those guys. It's just like, he's new listener, but it's like he's as involved as anyone has ever been in the day-to-day goings on of horror movie <laughs> podcast. Yeah, Kagan, though, has really gone above and beyond. So mm-hmm. congratulations, man. Thank you so much for and, all that you do. And even our friend Justin Wallace here, man, I wish we had something to give him, but he's the artist who's been supplying so much for this. <laughs> but but Justin, don't worry, brother. We are keeping track of all that you're doing for us as well. We really appreciate it. And give you one of these Storm of the Century DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Give him Blood Hook. <laughs> if I can find my Blood Hook DVD in my office in a corner somewhere, it's yours. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait, Jay. Before you go any further, I want to remind you of one of the most important giveaways that has yet to happen that's been prolonged far too long. Okay. 
if you remember in January of 2016, we had a little show called, it may have been even in December of 2015, <laughs> the top 10 horror movies of 2015. And what we did is you, me, and Bill Shetty gave our lists of what we thought the best horror movies were. Oh, yeah. And the listeners were going to vote on whose list they thought was best. And then you said you had a special prize for whoever it was that the listeners voted had the best top 10 list. Well, I know you'll be shocked, but they did not pick the list that had no escape at number one. They picked well. my list and you never gave me my prize. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> We're almost to doing our top 10 of 2016. Oh. I still have no top Whoa. 10 of 2015 prize. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for following up. Yeah, so as we were doing all these contest things, and I'll answer you here, but as we were doing all those contest things, in between recordings, I was saying, Josh, I have no talent for like t-shirt sales <laughs> or prize giveaways. I am the worst in the world. And so I just, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that the things that we've done tonight that I've not mishandled we have a few extra prizes if we did forget anybody or anything please let us know we had just had so many giveaways to do tonight i'm actually holding on to a few things until a later date maybe at christmas or something we'll give away but if we missed anybody now we've got like a reservoir that we can tap into that's right see now i gotta i gotta hook up josh and since it's you that won josh it's got to be special. So uh, I'm going to do something special. I, I won't I won't forget. I'm making a note of it because we're recording it here. And, <laughs> I thought and, you had something in mind. I thought it was a special well, surprise. Well, I, I did, it but that be. it was just like an Amazon gift card. But that's kind of lame. I'd rather give you something personalized because you're one of the best gift givers that I've seen. You, I mean, you've given me some great things in the past. So <laughs> I can't just do something dumb. These listeners don't even know because it was always on a movie podcast weekly. Some of the ridiculous gifts that I've given you <laughs> over the years. But. You, but your gifts are, they are kind of ridiculous, but they're also hilarious and funny and um, pretty brilliant, actually. And personalized. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, more, more than anything, they're personalized for sure. And uh, speaking of movie podcast weekly. Yes, sir. Not that this, um, well, this episode should be out by the time. Like, you're going to appear once again on Movie Podcast Weekly next week, right, Josh? Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So, triumphant yeah. return to talk about an animated children's film. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's so triumphant. I love it. The end of the year is approaching, and we always love to have your help on our top 10 horror movies of the year episode. So, please email me. And yes, I'm asking you to send these by email only. Email your top 10 horror movies of 2016 lists to horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And just go ahead and put top 10 horror of 2016 in the subject line. That'll help me organize and find those. But please email them to me, horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And the deadline for submissions is December 31st at 11.59 p.m. So make sure you just get those to me before the end of the year because we are recording that episode in the very first week of the new year there. And we're going to be uh, tallying the listener submissions so we can get a collective listener list of top tens as well from the horror movie podcast community. Of course, you are that community and we want everybody to be involved. So email me horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com and then we'll plan to release that episode that first Friday there. It's Friday, January 6th, 2017. 
All right, Wolfman Josh, I don't know how many hours it's been, but it's been many hours, and now it's time to wrap up this episode and our Slashers of the 80s coverage of Horror Movie Podcast. <laughs> Can you believe it? We made it. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it seriously is like 2 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. I got to get up in a little bit and watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade with my kids, so. Nice. That'll be awesome. Yeah, you know I'm legit jet everybody can i completely derail the conversation at this late date to tell you something i just learned oh by all means so the end of the new ghostbusters movie very minor spoiler alerts people there are these giant balloons that Mm. attack the ghostbusters and a lot of people hated that part just said this is stupid why are these dumb balloons i love the design of those balloons i think they look incredible and you know why they look so incredible jay why is that? Every single balloon in the new Ghostbusters movie from that scene is taken from an actual Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade balloon from like the turn of the century. <laughs> they went back and found these old creepy balloons that really existed back in the days before Mickey Mouse and 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 uh, Mighty Mouse and <laughs> all the other mice were balloons and they took those <laughs> They took those creepy old designs and put them in the movie. Those are real Macy's Thanksgiving Day Blair because they wanted New York specific ghosts. Wow. Cool. Yeah, that is absolutely killer cool. And I'll tell you something about that. And I'm not making this up. I know the listeners will think I am. When I first saw those, like for a split second in my mind, I actually thought, wow, those look like actual old school parade balloons yeah yeah and they are so that makes sense <laughs> now i now, guess with the one exception of the state puff marshmallow well no. yes of course okay well that was a good factoid wolfman josh thank you yeah it, it was worth staying up later for that and i'm being <laughs> i'm being sincere no i'm serious i love it um one other little thing here we got an email from a listener jason and he sent us This is perfect timing, Josh, even though the episode will be out a few days afterward. But right now it's Thanksgiving. I promise you, as we record this, it's a Thanksgiving horror short film called Invaders. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to link this. I think I have his permission. (laughs) I'm going to link the the Vimeo page there to the video so people can watch it. Um watch invaders this thanksgiving short film um i actually i actually just saw that in my inbox as we were wrapping up and i wanted to make sure i threw that shout out there and um for jason and his invaders he says it's a dark comedy horror spin on home invasion films and it features jordan woods robinson and ricky wayne both of the walking dead cool wow that's awesome yeah it's super awesome so we'll have that linked in the show notes for this episode all right, Josh. So I think that's just about enough of this stuff. Now, next time on Horror Movie Podcast, finally, finally, we're not doing a theme. We're doing a Frankensteinian episode, which is my favorite kind because we just talk about random whatever horror movies we want, whatever we've been watching lately. We also got some really cool uh, listener um, emails from uh, Jason Dragon. He was representing HMP again. I'm going to show that off in the next episode. We also got a cool email from Joe from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Mothman. 
But if you have been enjoying this thematic coverage and you're new to the show, I know that we're getting new listeners all the time who they, they contact me on Twitter. They're confused about how they find old episodes. This is always happening. And for whatever reason, we've had a huge influx of new listeners during the Slasher episodes. I'm glad. Welcome as listeners. We've got a huge Christmas show coming up. For me, that's one of my favorite of the year. We talk about Christmas-related horror films. And I wanted to tell you about some of our past seasonal episodes that you should listen to right now on Thanksgiving weekend that you're going to love. The first one is Horror Movie Podcast episode 35. That's our Black Friday episode, The Horrors of Consumerism. We talk about Dawn of the Dead, The Mall Fantasia, and Chopping Mall, which had a brief appearance on this episode. Really awesome episode. It was one of the most fun that we've ever done. And really interesting commentary. I think if I can say that, I love that episode. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the Black Friday one, right? So That's right. Kyle Bishop was on that, which is our fourth co-host, Dr. Walking Dead. And I'm planning on, <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I'm planning on standing in line in the middle of the night, like literally 24 hours from this moment, if I can, <laughs> if I can muster it so I can get the NES Classic Edition for my kids, maybe. Wow, dude. So it, you're doing it. It's been really hard. I've been Black Friday's on. And so you can listen to this podcast while you're waiting in line. I'm going to stand in line like an idiot and listen to this podcast and think, yep, I'm a, I'm a consumer zombie right now. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my plan. Three more episodes to recommend guys. You're going to love these. Whether you listen, whether you've been listening for just a short time or for a very long time, these are ones to check out. I re-listened to these myself because I had so much fun. These are our Christmas episodes of Christmas past. First up, <laughs> our Christmas 2013 Bad Santa's Freaky Phone Calls and Klaus Kinski. <laughs> yes. This was Horror Movie Podcast Episode 5. And we covered such wintry tales as Dead Snow, Devil's Pass, Silent Night, Deadly Night, 1984, Black Christmas, 1974. And that's a must listen, you guys. Yes, it is. Next up, Christmas Horror 2014 edition. This is episode 37. We covered horror films like, and these are, believe it or not, Christmas films like P2. We talked about Wind Chill, which Dave has talked about recently. The Last Winter. We also talked about films related to Santa Claus in Holland, Saint. <laughs> we talked about a much maligned film that we talked that came up during our slasher discussion, Christmas Evil, aka You Better Watch Out. I gave I said people should buy that. Find out why when you listen to the episode. <laughs> AKA you'd better figure out a different ending for that film, weirdo. <laughs> and of course, Gremlins 1984. That's on episode 37 of Horror Movie Podcast Christmas 2014. Christmas 2015. It was all about Krampus with the release of the new film. We talked about Rare Exports 2010, A Christmas Horror Story 2015, Krampus 2015, and Silent Night, Blood, Bloody Night 1972. That's Horror Movie Podcast episode 78. Guys, if you're new to the show, you go to horrormoviepodcast.com. Don't be afraid. Type it into your computer. On the sidebar, there are links to all of our themed episodes, all of our franchise reviews. You're going to see the full franchise discussions for a nightmare on elm street halloween scream what else <laughs> friday the 13th 
times. Full franchise reviews. We've got crossover franchise reviews with of Pumpkinhead and Phantasm. We've got a million themed shows, one for each holiday of the year. You guys are going to love them. So check those out. New listeners, we love you. Get familiar with the old stuff. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And thank you. And what's cool about those Christmas episodes since December is here, basically now, including our upcoming December Christmas episode, we have enough where they could listen to one episode per week through December and just be all Christmas horrored out. Oh, snap. And start with Black Friday and you're set. All right, Josh. That's it for episode 104. We thank people for being here. Where can people find more of you on the internet? Oh, <laughs> well, do they really need to find more? Yeah, in case, in case this four plus hours hasn't been enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, th- let's just do, let's keep it simple. I'm on social media at Icarus Arts. That's I-C-A-R-U-S-A-R-T-S on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let's hook up and we'll talk. I love it. And I just hope people will check out Movie Podcast Weekly. It's been crazier than ever over there. We had Brain, the physicist from the Sci-Fi Podcast, on there to settle a six-year-old debate between Andy and Carl. (laughs) It is freaking hilarious. So, did, did something go down over there? Oh man! Back on CTS, we had this. Um, well, I know, I know what the, I remember. I know what the debate is. Oh, okay. Point. okay. Yeah, yeah. But did Brain bring something to the table that shook up the conversation? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, he's brilliant, and he was incredible, and it, it was amazing. And 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 the turnout, <laughs> and I just, you know, we don't really. It's not a horror show. It's just all kinds of movies. But but people should listen because. <laughs> the way it turns out is so surprising i was kind of astounded and and my my reaction to this was um a little bit like unsuspected because my 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 mouth was agape i couldn't believe it so i didn't really <laughs> i didn't really react appropriately i think not that i did anything weird but um people should just listen to it cuz you'll be very surprised <laughs> on you know who was right and who was wrong and what happened it's great so that's um, episode 215, I believe, of Movie Podcast Weekly. As we said, and as we hope you can tell, we uh, love the Horror Movie Podcast community. We appreciate your comments, so keep them coming. You can get involved by sending us an email at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com or leaving a comment in the show notes for this episode. And um, just want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song, as well as Hagen Breitenbach. And um, we'll have all that stuff linked in the show notes. And since my voice is failing me, I'm going to dispense with all the rest of that stuff and just say that's it for episode 104. We thank you for listening and join us again Friday after next for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror.